Welcome back to What's Next Comic Podcast. Uh, we're never late, and this is the episode where we go over the February 2024 solicitations. I am your co-host, Evan Von Doom. I'm Dallas. We wrote a novel. Like, we're allowed to be late this month. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, two, the two of us, we wrote... We wrote a novel. A novel. Yeah. Spoiler and alert. And it's good. It's good. And, and so we're late. We're late. And we're late. Sorry. So, fuck we're, you. We're kind of like a period. You Actually, know? Like, you really sorry. wish it was on time. Suck my ass, dude. Shut up. Hey, if you're mad that we're late, fuck you. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Obviously, we don't want to be late. We're, uh, we apologize for the delay. But, you know, quality takes time. And we had a lot to record. And last week... Or this week? Did we record the On everything Sunday. but? Yeah. Oh my god, that took me. That, that, was, that was a year so ago. Fun, but that was a year we ago. recorded for like five hours, and mm. I was dead for the next four days, just in life wise. Mm-hmm. So, and God forbid we're ever on time. All right, anyway, so yeah, how you doing, Dallas? How you been? Really good. I am always happiest when I'm writing, and writing on our project has been a lot of fun. Comics are great right now. I am more, I haven't read this week's releases, but other than that, this is the most caught up on weekly releases I've been in a long time. And there's so many good comics. So I've got a lot of opinions coming into this episode about great (laughs) comics. And I've got some good energy. We have no plans for the night. So there's, there's no rush. There's no like, oh man, we got to bang out these last ones real quick. We just get to be here and vibe. So I think you're really in for a great episode. Yes. I mean, technically speaking, there is a rush. I had to be gone at 6.30, but otherwise... Gosh, you're so great for that. Sorry. That. No, yeah. that's... I'm going to go it's see uh, the last <laughs> Studio Ghibli film. Hmm. Just kidding. It's not the last. It's never the last. They do this every single time where Miyazaki's just like, I'm done. This is it. I'm retiring. And the next project, he's just like, I really just found the passion again. There was something about this that was so personal. It's my best work yet. And then we do it all over again. So, yeah, he's um he's the opposite of George R. R. Martin. Yeah, <laughs> he is equally old but can't stop creating, which I love. Yeah, you should keep doing it. It's he him and Stephen that. King, and my boy Stan Sakai. Yeah, they're the only ones. There are some old guys who just keep banging it out, mm. and frankly, frankly, they keep releasing top tier work. Like, oh yeah, something I love that Harlan Coben said of writing. He said it is the only talent where you are guaranteed to get better the more that you do like there my, is no there's no peak like the more you do it the better you will get one of my favorite things about you is that as soon as you start learning something new you apply it to every conversation we have i think mm-hmm. that's great i that's do the best way to teach people and learn and also to show you're actually absorbing what you're learning i love that thank you i once had a friend and by that i mean a missionary companion when i was a mormon missionary but we're gonna say friend who teased me and said that he hadn't heard a Dallas Taylor quote in almost a month. <laughs> and he's like, you keep talking, but it all keeps being references to other things. <laughs> like you, everything is a quote or a scripture. When was the last time you said words? Well, and I hit about me. it. Aren't we all just reciting quotes in scriptures? Everything I say is scripture, baby. Damn. The bars. Yo, bars. Yo, put that on a new Kanye West beat. But cut out Oof. the lyrics because his yeah. lyrics are ass. Yeah. Did you see the TikTok I sent you this morning? I haven't watched TikToks yet this morning. All right. But uh, he apparently he had an album come out. Did not know. Um, 
I'm listening to this dude like review it or whatever. It's like a clip of him, his review. The beat comes in. I was like, oh, sick, sick beat. I'm not listening to Kanye West, but this is a sick beat. And then he starts rapping, and I was like, oh, I got to get out of here. This is garbage. Yeah, he's lost it. When you get to the Burger King line, text me. <laughs> You'll know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but there, like we said at the top of this, there are artists who don't go off the deep end. There are artists who continue to create, make wonderful things, and we are excited to highlight those today. If you are unaware, if this is your first What's Next, a comic book podcast episode, this is the format of the show. We're going to go through each of the major publishers of comic books and read off their solicitations for the month of February 2024, give our bullet point thoughts about them. We're going to tangent. It's how this show goes. And we finish with the big two. You're not allowed to skip ahead. We don't give you show notes because you have to listen to the indies, baby. Yeah, plus it's more work for me. Uh, but we're actually going to start uh, with two things. One, I want to yell about Amazon and how they kill comicology. Um, and two, I want to highlight two Kickstarters that I think they're through the Kickstarters now because we're very late. But uh, at some point they were in Kickstarter and they can still use their support. We always want to support indie stuff. So Dallas, do you want to go into the rant first or should we talk real quick about the Kickstarters first? Let's hit Kickstarter first. All right. So first one I'm going to shout out is called Charred Remains. Um, it's about, I'm going to read you the description, a dark entity made of flame, smoke, and ash, quote unquote, the fireman, blazes through a young girl's home, killing her entire family. Amy Durant swears she'll saw this supernatural creature. Oh, swear she saw the supernatural creature, but no one ever believed her. Unfortunately, these past fears reignite a decade later as her city goes up to in flames. With no one else to rely on, Amy is forced to battle both past trauma and the face of the inferno. I read the first issue. Um, FOC for it was 11.20. I am sorry for being late, but you can still get it. It was a good thing. It's being produced by Mad Cave Studios. They put out great work. Um, when it was sent to me, because I asked people to send me some Kickstarters, I wanted to support more indie Kickstarters. Um, John Baxter, no relation, re- uh, reached out to me and he said, hey, yeah, John Baxter, the John Baxter. Uh, <laughs> he reached out to me. He was like, hey, um, really like this project. I think you'll like it. Uh, take a look. He gave me the first issue and I loved it. It was very clean. And I didn't realize who the artist was until I started reading it. But the artist is Andrea uh, Moody, who is on one of my favorite horror projects, Maniac of New York, which came out a few years ago. So I was very excited. Every time they they pop up, I always get excited for their work. And this was no exception. I had a great time. And I think you guys will too. If you like Maniac of New York, if you like some of the other horror books we shout out usually, um, I definitely would recommend this. If you're a fan of like the silver, what's called silver coin. I think it has that kind of vibe to it as well. I think Maniac of New York is probably the better uh, comparison, though. So, Or uh, Nailbiter is also a great comparison, I feel like. Which Nailbiter, I don't talk about ever, but I loved. So um, those would be things I would ask you to look out for. And the second Kickstarter, uh, a very funny premise. It's called The Afflection. It's about a Ben Affleck lookalike who discovers there may be something sinister behind his striking likeness. It's a two-part comic book miniseries. Um, they actually got through their Kickstarter. Um, you can still support by buying the comic. And uh, it's a very funny concept. And it's enough that I think I'm personally going to go out and try to uh, read it at some point. Um, and that's all I know about it so far. But I love a good uh, slice. I like to call it, I don't know if it's like really the right wording for it. But I like when there's a silly premise about this, but goes wrong. 
And this is a very silly premise. And I think that's very funny. The art looks really good. The writing from the preview seemed very good. Um, and the team, I talked to them a little bit and they're very nice people. So definitely go out and support that as well. I'll provide links both on Twitter and in the description for uh, this podcast episode. So if you guys see the links, give it a look. Even if you just take a glance or just to share it, you know, any support that you could give out to indie creators is always beneficial. So, yeah. And then my personal favorite Kickstarter, my own Venmo account. Like if you, <laughs> if you want to send in your support to help hit that backer goal of more money in my bank account, like my personal Venmo, one of the hottest ongoing kickstarters at the moment yeah you really get a lot out of that too they, he doesn't mm -hmm. talk about all like there's tears to it and everything if you, if you send a dollar he'll see it mm -hmm. if you send two dollars he'll notice it send him five dollars and he just might let out a little gasp so, five dolores that's right if you label it as like get yourself a treat get yourself lunch that's technically free money now like, I, it doesn't matter how much lunch was. It was, in fact, on Evan. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Dallas and I have a net zero in terms of how much money we spent on each other because we keep sending each other little things like, hey, buy a Mountain Dew. Hey, buy yourself a lunch. Good job. Hey, great job today. <laughs> We're just sending the same $10 back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> this is constantly. My friends and I are stupid. You've heard of girl math, I hope. Yeah. Um, college boy math was having the same $25 in Venmo <laughs> that none of us ever cashed out. So we just kept sending it around to whoever bought the pizza that time. So all of our pizza was free. We never paid for pizza oh, because we were always sending $25 Venmo around. That's true. That's how math works. <laughs> yeah. Agree. Yeah, it was it constantly zeroed out. You had always just gotten paid for the pizza. Yeah. I do like the... I don't mind now. Like my main friend group, I do. Once someone buys something, I immediately pay them back through Venmo and everything. But mm -hmm. when I had like a lifeguard group of friends and we were like lifeguards over a summer, one person would just buy everyone food and then it would eventually come back around to them because mm -hmm. someone would buy the food next time. Mm -hmm. And I miss that. So I'm going to pitch that to my friends and see what they say. They're not going to like it. But yeah, it's hard as an adult. Um, listen, also, this is some Dallas lore here. As someone who doesn't drink, that is always terrifying to me that it's going to be like, Dallas, could you get this one? Because everyone else spent like $600 on drinks. At, yeah. And then I was like, I had two Diet Cokes. Like I spent $7 and you all spent 600 That's true. <laughs> but I also miss that. Like when I was a teenager and through college, we absolutely had the like, I'll get you this time. You get me next time mentality. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's something about paying bills that makes that go away a little bit. Yeah, I think once you like are watching your bank account and being like, oh, I can only spend this much. Now it becomes more of like, I spent this much, but technically I did it because you owe me the money or I spent it on you. So I need mm -hmm. that money though. So mm -hmm. if you could send mm -hmm. that back. And also like it does preserve friendships if everyone's just like, all right, we're all just like giving each other money that we deserve. That's it. The end. Every once in a while, we'll give each other a little gifty gift, but that's the cutoff line. I also mm -hmm. respect that. I get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love a prompt Venmo. Oh, yeah. Like right on time. Yeah. Yeah. Like as we're leaving the function sometimes like that. Yeah. I try to, sometimes I pay people beforehand. I'm just like, I'm going to spend $23. <laughs> <laughs> You've got the tip down. Yeah. 
They're like, how'd she know this? Like, I did. The, don't worry about it. But I'm don't ready. you even worry. I went to their website. I looked at their menu. I know what the state I live in's yeah. taxes. If you see me ordering something that looks like it's going to be putting me over, no, it's not. I did the math. There's a there's a discount. I got the coupon. Whatever. Or clipping, I'm stealing it. Don't look at me. Clipping coupons at a restaurant is crazy. That's the funniest. That'd be funny. That's the doing it at a bar would be even funnier. Here you go. Yo, I almost actually almost used a coupon at a bar the other day because I went to a local theater and the local theater is like an Irish theater. And so they're mm-hmm. like, oh, go to like the Irish bar. If you order this, uh, you get it like half off or something. Um, but it, the only caveat turned out to be that it had to be after one of the shows. So mm-hmm. I didn't realize that until I really read it. And I was like, okay, so that's how they get you. But uh, but yeah, I was pre- very much prepared to go in there and get an Irish coffee with this coupon. So nice we exist <laughs> we're out here we're out here we're outside um, i'll about the time that my dad last last evan lore bit that's about the time that my dad was uh i thought we were irish and then i found out we weren't and now i don't know is that like is that what you thought black irish meant or no i don't know what that means but uh no. it means dark it's dark hair like there are redheads oh. and then there are black hairs but it's like there's like a harsh divide like they yeah. talk about like the black Irish, and at first I was like, "Whoa, guys!" Whoa, yeah. And then I became more like, "Whoa." Yeah. Like, it feels oh, not just feels, as bad, but it feels bad still. It's still still not good. Yeah, something's like, going on. You look on down there. for hair color. What is this? Starbelly sneeches? <laughs> no, but uh, so on my dad's side, uh, I'm not mixed. So my dad's like straight up black. But for a minute, I thought he was mixed because he's light skinned. My uh, grandma's light skinned. And at one point, he said we were Irish, just straight up. I was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And like, when I was a kid, and he was like, oh, yeah, we're Irish. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I got some Irish on my side, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, cool. I guess I'm mixed on that side. Uh, cool. And then years later, I'm sitting around, hanging out with my uh, my dad and like his uh, drinking friends and stuff. And they're all shooting the shit. It's close to St. Patty's Day. Uh, my dad's not like a big drinker or anything. He doesn't like go out to drink. When he's drinking, he only drinks at home. Like it's, it's a rule he has. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was just like, I'm not Irish, but I drink like one. Ha ha ha. And I was just like, we're not Irish? <laughs> and he was like, no, we're not. I was like, you don't have any Irish heritage in your blood. He was like, no. I was like, okay. And I did not push it at all. So I was like, all right. I don't know <laughs> what the hell is going on on that side of the family. but Some retcons. Yeah, I guess so. Peter David came in. It's just like, actually, I changed my mind. Actually, so, so sorry. He oof. was not Irish this time around. Yeah. Oh, oof. This was exactly what happened to, this is exactly what happened to Scarlet Witch. <laughs> <laughs> You're just yeah. like Scarlet Witch for real. For real. <laughs> Evan Maximoff. Um, Rolls off the tongue. It really does. Speaking I... of rolling off the tongue. Go ahead. <laughs> I I love made up family heritage that yeah. in the era <laughs> of the DNA test 23 and me test is just yeah. falling apart all around these Which families like Addison's family is like we're Italian yeah and but not like New York we're Italian but they're just like no like that's our heritage like we're Italian yeah. And they're like, like we know, like great grandma came here from Italy. And the 23 me came back 0% Italian. <laughs> and I was like, how'd that occur? I was, 
What's going on? Who's lying? Dude, I mean, I don't understand how it gets messed up. I guess record keeping was hard back in the day. That's something I learned. My grandpa, my great grandpa, is like 60% Cherokee. Oh. And they they just sent him an I'm sorry letter with a re- like the returned his money. They're like, so we, the white people destroyed all those records. And so like, we can't do, oh. like we ha- don't have enough information. So we like, here's the 30% that like we can trace. Yeah. And I was like, that's yeah. all very interesting. And I want to dig into that more, but yeah, he was kind of bummered. He was bummered. He was like bummed out. Oh, <laughs> he's like, hmm. Oh, yeah, oh, it's kind of exciting. Disappointing for sure. Yeah, learn <laughs> um, more about yourself and your history. That's awesome. My number one favorite revelation was a guy found out that he, his dad was not his dad when he was eighty. I know this person. <laughs> That's An awesome. Eighty-year-old man who's both his parents are dead. Dead. Yeah. Found out from twenty-three and me. Yeah. That his dad was his dad's best friend. Oh. And th- this had never been discovered. Like, his mom went to the grave. That's awesome. I know. I was like, that's the cool... It ruined Christmas. Like, that's awesome. That would have made my Christmas. I've asked him so many questions. <laughs> like, how do you feel? <laughs> oh, it ruined his Christmas. Like, he was clearly upset and sad yeah. that, like, his whole life was a lie. <laughs> nah, it's fine. Like, ran away. I was like, first off, quit being a baby. That's so traumatic and awesome. <laughs> All right. One more bit of lore, and then we'll move on to comics. But I found out this year that I have... Or my mom found out she has a sister she never knew about. And it was because of 23andMe. So, like, my mom put, uh, before when my grandpa was still alive a few years ago, she got some of his blood. Uh, mm-hmm. You know how you just take your father's blood and yeah. then you send it off into uh, the computer or whatever. And just to get, like, a line of, like, Trace's history and, like, keep the records and stuff so we would know it in case anything happened. Uh, glad we did. And then he passed away. And then this year, she gets an email or a message on Facebook or something. And someone's just like, hey, uh... I just did 23 and me. I think we're sisters. And my mom was just like, okay, this is obviously fake or like someone's trying to sell me something or scam me or whatever. But mm-hmm. the person sent like the records over and everything. And she was like this and that and everything lined up perfectly. So it turned out that my grandfather, uh, great guy, not an adulterer or anything like that. That's not what happened, but he just had a relationship with someone back in his day. Uh, back then, you know, Things happen, you know. He's a smooth guy, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. So uh, back then, <laughs> you know, back in the day, back, um, <laughs> back then, people could have surprise pregnancies. Not now, though. No, nowadays that doesn't, happen. doesn't happen. Yeah, no, every no. pregnancy is planned now. Every single pregnancy is planned, and that's why we're getting rid of abortion rights. Um, mm-hmm. and no, I'm just kidding. Uh, obviously, we support uh, abortions and uh, Planned Parenthood. Uh, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm probably in an early grave. <laughs> Friday afternoon. I'm so sorry. This is also the last episode. We're about to get canceled. This is a joke, guys. I'm just my bad. Right before anyway. our book comes out, it's important yeah. important That's to get this, to all it. this off our chest. <laughs> and then I'm about to delete this episode. So everyone's like, "What happened to the February 2024?" I'm like, "Ah, oh, yeah, the records. You know, white people. You know, <laughs> the white is. people destroyed just, uh, my records. Damn, crazy. Sixty anyway. percent of our episodes disappeared. Yeah, my, they ruined my Christmas." <laughs> <laughs> my uh, christmas they ruined my native american christmas damn i can't say that for sure 
but I guess you. Can... I don't think I can. Like it didn't show up so in either. the twenty three me. It, de- it doesn't yeah. count. I can't. It definitely is out of you by now. But uh... oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> my can- my twenty three me came back two percent milk. Like that's, <laughs> that's what we got going 1% on. One percent slim. <laughs> yeah, uh, none. <laughs> it's a whole milk. <laughs> But yeah, so I got to meet my aunt this year and she's really cool. So she actually sent me a nice uh, little dish from a housewarming gift. Wow. Uh, oh, that's another more, more evid lore. I, I bought a house too. So that's also why November just like didn't happen. There's so much happening. Book, house, um, other stuff, I'm sure. Huge but, month. You bought a house and wrote a novel in the same month. Like I know. Crazy. That's this a cool is, guy This month. is the American dream I'm living right now. And it's gonna hit really hard in January when I get my first bill, so that'll be fun. Yeah, yeah, that will hit. Um, okay, I know we're supposed to move on, but you having a secret aunt. My mom, when I was eighteen, moving out of the house, hit me with a. My grandpa, her dad, is her adopted dad, and oh, she good. has a bunch of half siblings that she's not interested in knowing. Hell yeah! Because like. <laughs> She was basically the aunt that you discovered is what she yeah. is. Like she was a young, like guy leaves, goes, starts a whole family in a life and just like yeah. leaves this one little branch over here. And I don't like with hindsight now, I'm like, I don't know why, but it rocked my socks at 18. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> and then I was like all weirded out that she didn't want to like get to know this whole other family. Yeah. She's like, I have known my dad as my dad since i was three years old she's like like i i have no connection to what's going on over there that makes sense yeah but i was like for genetic purposes mom like i gotta know like is that where (laughs) my curly hair comes from like is that where like my cankle comes from like i need to know (laughs) she's like you're really making this about you and i was like that's my signature move (laughs) who else would it be about you my mom loves to drop lore Years after it's important and out of nowhere. When it's just like way too late. Yeah, like nothing can be done about it and it has no context. And like she loves to be like, I got in a terrible car wreck four months ago. And I'm like, we've talked on the phone 60 times since then. Jesus. Yeah. How's this not coming up, lady? And <laughs> it's important. Dude, Let's that's go. her. She's like, oh, I didn't want to worry you. I'm like, stop being so Midwest for five that's seconds. <laughs> All right, we can do comic books now. Okay. Okay, real quick. Uh, fuck Amazon for killing Comicology. Comicology really got me back into comics back in the day when I first discovered it. Um, it was in a time when it was hard for me to read comics consistently, but they had really good sales. They made it very easy to just have a pull list constantly going, and it saved me space when I just didn't have space uh, in my apartments or condos. So, And then on top of that, it really highlighted on their Comicology Unlimited a bunch of indie comics and stuff. So I really got to dive into different books that I've never given a chance, but got to because Comicology and then went out to support more indie books and get into the world of indie and move away from the big two a lot more. So it's really, it was messed up always what Amazon was doing to Comicology. The plan was always clearly that they wanted to kill a competition and then blend in the infrastructure to Kindle. That was clear from the get-go. And it's just a shame that nothing could have been done to stop it and now we're beyond the point and it's over. So I have been using Omnibus recently, which is a newer comic book reading app. I like the infrastructure. There's not really any sales or anything yet on it, but 
Um, it does have a lot of new releases. I encourage people to check that out as an alternative to Kindle. Um, obviously, not shame anyone who still uses Kindle. I still use Kindle sometimes for certain things, uh, like Vagabond I've been reading on Kindle. So I'm not shaming you for reading that on there or supporting uh, Amazon or however you want to read comics, as long as you're reading comics. But I found Omnibus. I really like it. Obviously, local comic shops still need our help. If you could afford it, you have the space, uh, go seek, seek it out. The library is always an option. There's a lot of ways to legally uh, read comics for us in America, specifically. You know, other countries, uh, different structure that I really can't comment too much on. But if you can uh, find a way to read and support comics legally, I always encourage it. Um, but otherwise, you have to do what you have to do. And, you know, but just want to give the option out there and also say fuck Amazon. Um and also, thank you, Amazon, for the Invincible show. So, <laughs> it's a real uh, double-edged sword. Is that the also, right thing? Also, the boys show. I really also, like the, boys the boys show. show they saved the boys. They made a comic that we should all forget about. Uh, interesting. So Into one of the best superhero TV shows. Yeah. Um, one of the guys that invented Omnibus is my neighbor. We go and get dinner sometimes. He's a really good guy. Um, oh, yeah. I second sentence here makes me a douchebag i i use kindle because i like having everything in one place like Mm -hmm. i like having my big two and my indies all in one spot with an automatic pull list um at this point i just don't want to do all the legwork to like read the big two three months later or a month later and then also get all my indies from this other app like i i like the consolidation that's a little bit of the heartbreak of comiXology biting the dust they it was a big feat that they got all the licenses to everything. Yeah. That is very hard and very impressive. And it's sad to see that go away. I haven't had an enormously hard time with the Kindle app. Cause honestly, comiXology, when it switched a year ago, yeah. it's user interface. It just switched to the, the Amazon Kindle user. Oh, really? I had, like, a, I like had it, a different experience with that. That's interesting. The UI is very similar, at least for me on my iPad. I do it on my iPad too, but I don't know. I I just refuse to read it on Kindle because the Kindle reading experience was different from Comicology for me. Interesting. So yeah, it is interesting. I, I also I don't know when they updated their website. They used to not be able to read on the website, and oh, then yeah. a few months ago, you can now. And so that's oh, where nice. I read most. Like I pop it up on my desktop and read. Yeah. So. So yeah, I'll check out. I'm, I'll probably give Kindle more of a chance in the future right now i'm just annoyed with it and omnibus for indie comics if i'm buying a comic week of anyway i'm paying full price so i'd rather support something new if i can help it but and i don't know what's going on with comicology unlimited now is that just blending into uh it's becoming kindle unlimited all the exact same stuff is just they just made it all kindle so do i get the kindle like books now like ebooks too do i have to pay more now for it i'm not sure i haven't looked like, I Evil did comic. not change my subscription at all. I'm still technically Comixology subscribed, unlimited subscription. And there are still a bunch of free books for me to click on. Hmm. They just now all say Kindle Unlimited on them. Yeah. All right, well, we'll figure it out, I guess. Things will happen or they won't. I, listen, Amazon has been working hard to get me out of single issue comics. <laughs> Yes, and speaking of solicitations for single issue comic books. <laughs> yes, we are going to start with Image Comics, which I'll be reading, and then Dallas will go into 
the other big three of indie, uh, Boom Studios, Dark Horse, and IDW. And then I'll be going into DC Comic. Wait, nope. I'm doing DC. And then Dallas is doing DC. And then I'm ending it with Marvel. So here we go with Image Comics. <coughs> 2024 Free Comic Book Day Energon Universe Special Edition number one. And I'll go number eight. Blood Commandment number four. Bloodrick number three. Great name. That's awesome. Uh, the Blood, the Bloody Dozen, A Tale of the Shrouded College number three. Less Bone, yeah. Bone Orchard Tenement number nine. The Cabinet number one. <laughs> Cobra Commander number two. Crave number four. Creep Show Joe Hill's Wolverton Station number one. The Deviant, number four. Duke, number three. Dutch, number one. Edenwood, number five. G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero, number 304. Gunslinger Spawn, number 29. A Haunted Girl, number four. The Holy Roller, number four. I Hate Fairyland, number 11. The Infernals, number one. Kill Your Darlings, number six. Philadelphia, number 34. King Spawn, number 31. Love Everlasting, number 12. Midlife, or How to Hero at 50, number 5. Monstrous, number 49. Moon Man, number 2. <laughs> it's by Kid Cudi. <laughs> Newburn, number 15. Knights, number 5. The One Hand, number 1, by B. Rombie. Our Bones, Dust, number 3. P- Petrol Head, not Patrol. Petrol Head, number 4. Phantom Road, number 9. Radiant Black, number 29.5. Why not? Radiant Black, number 30. Radiant, nope. Saucer Country, the finale, number uh, the finale one, yeah, but it's number one. Scorch, number twenty-seven. The Six Fingers, number one. Spawn, number three fifty-one. And Transformers, number five. Oh my god, is this a hardcover? Is it? They don't put the numbers all the time. I can't. I'm skipping it. <laughs> Sorry. Should have put the numbers. World Tree number eight. The Walking Dead Deluxe number 82 and 83. And that. Oh, no, wait. I'm the sorry. Weatherman. And then The Weatherman volume three, number two. We're so back, baby. And then also, what's oh, the furthest place it. from here? Number 18. I hate Image Studio solicitations page. For people listening at home, which is everybody, we <laughs> go through comicsreleases.com, which has a great, great structure. They separate trade paperbacks with hard covers with single issues. So we can just skip straight to single issues and read what's coming out just for you, the single issue readers. And Image, for some reason, sometimes just doesn't show up there. And this month, it didn't show up there. And on top of that, their solicitation page on their official website sucks. Everything's just mixed in there. It's not even in order. It's in alphabetical order, to be fair, I guess. But it's it's not in order of like, like they don't split up the hardcover or trade paperback. They don't split up the single issues from anything. And also they don't even have it at like the release date. Like if they ordered it by release date, I'd understand that a little bit more. But I guess also I understand alphabetical. It's just annoying because I'm reading it like this. But whatever, I digress. Image has some cool stuff coming out, mainly Weatherman, which I'm very excited about. Yeah, obviously we haven't gotten a chance to pick up Weatherman Volume 3 yet, but we're both enormous fans of Weatherman's Volume 1 and 2. It comes from an era, and I don't know if this is just because I was more willing to give more things a chance than I am now, but it feels like there was a real sweet spot about five years at Image where a lot of like mid-tier books mm. had incredible 
premises and talent behind them. Like it didn't, like I did not know anything about Jody LaHop or Nathan Fox before picking up this book. Yeah. And I adore this book. It's about the number one weatherman on Mars <laughs> who come to believe it has a shady past. And that's all I'm going to give you. It is, you hop all around the solar system, assassin shenanigans. Like it's a really great book with some really, really great talent behind it. It's the kind of book that makes me want to read more of these random books off of the solicitations. Like, yeah. I haven't picked up Petrol Head yet, but I've heard nothing but good things about Petrol Head. And so I think I'm going to read it because I read Weatherman at one point and Gain and Crowded. Those books came out at the same time. Yeah, that's I read, the one I was going to shout out. Yeah. I read Weatherman and Crowded at the same time, and they both knocked my socks off. So give comics a chance, man. Like, even if yeah. they don't have a big name attached to them. Yeah, I found the Weather, Weatherman because of Crowded. I was reading Crowded and I was looking for books similar to it. And Weatherman hits the exact same energy, I think. Um, they both have like protagonists that are very complex and seem surface level at first, but then blow up into like these. Uh, interesting character studies almost and at the same time the art really helps deliver on the narrative they really work in tandem and it makes you feel like you're along on the adventure the entire time i love both those books they're both at similar vibes if you like crowded a hundred percent you got to read weatherman uh, i'm very interested in what rom b's new book is about it's a little mini series the one hand um i think it's supposed to be like a noir detective story if i'm not mistaken yeah and it's it's also it's being written in tandem with another series from another creator i don't remember the name of that one but they're like books that are meant to be read together oh really which is an interesting premise um i mean i i pick up every rom v number one he's got like a 60 40 success rate with me at this point <laughs> like most of them I really end up liking. And then the other 40%, I'm like, dang. It's kind of like a Christopher Priest comic where I'm like, I'm the problem. <laughs> yeah. Like if I was smarter, I'm sure this would knock my socks off. But this is really just kind of confusing right now. Um, But I mean, the ones that hit, hit so hard that I'm I'm there. I'm going to read it. Um, The big one I want to shout out right here at the top is Deviant. From James oh, yeah. Tynan. This is... You and I have both gone on record saying that The Closet is his best work. Yes. And I still agree with that. I still think The Closet is his best work. The Deviant is coming from the same guy that wrote The Closet. Like this, that same oh, Tynan. Yeah. That same Tynan that wrote The Closet. This isn't... Tynan contains multitudes. And it's always high quality. And it just comes down to taste, honestly. Yeah. And... A lot of his books that find the most success aren't necessarily to my taste. But then every once in a while, he'll come and just do like a really fucked little weird one. That's what The Deviant is. Like I read issue one of The Deviant and I was like, gosh, that made my balls climb up inside me. That's awesome. Time to read the rest of that. Damn. And the protagonist is you again. It's always me. Yeah. Like I don't. <laughs> <laughs> How does this keep happening? <laughs> I remember confronting Chip Zdarsky about how I looked exactly like the protagonist of Sex Criminals. And he's like, I mean, I didn't know you when I did this, but you're right. That looks exactly <laughs> like you. I, like yeah, I might be in a cool comic in the near future. I'll, 
let you know if it actually happens. But oh, really? Yeah, until just like a little like throwaway reference, but yeah. uh, I'll let you know if it happens. I mean, I'll be pretty unbearable if it happens, so everyone will know. But. <laughs> Damn, that's really the goal of life is to get into a comic. I mean, that's what we're all doing it for. That's put, true. Put that on my tombstone. Yeah. He, I was just he telling, made it. <laughs> I was just telling Dallas this that I keep writing him into everything I write. Like every time I do a short story or a vignette or something, he always pops up in there somewhere. So as I he should, he dies half the time. So it's that's, great. Okay. that's okay. That's okay. Um, Tom King, his favorite comic book podcast, is one of my favorites, mm-hmm. and he kills the hosts of those in most of his books. Oh, that's awesome. Like the their three names pop up all the time <laughs> and they're constantly getting killed. And they, they have a great time with it. That's the dream. Yeah. Being killed by Tom King. Frankly, yes. <laughs> I'm really interested in I'm not the biggest Transformers or not Transformers. I'm a huge Transformers fan. I'm very excited for more Transformers from Danny Warren Johnson, but I'm not the biggest G.I. Joe fan. And there's a lot of new G.I. Joe starting here, and Joshua Williamson is at least running two of them cobra commander the miniseries and duke the miniseries and i'm definitely checking out duke because tom riley and jody belair are on the art and that's the dream team right there um but i'm also cobra uh cobra commander always seemed fun so i wanted to check it out but this is like gonna be the first time i check out gi joe and it's basically specifically because of the creative team so i'm very excited about that i got nothing to say yet because i haven't read even one yet but cobra commander is that exact same kind of loud, nasally, queer-coded villain as Skeletor, yeah. who is much more important to me. Like, Skeletor is... In the war of 1980s toys yeah. that you've got to love, which I, I've recently come to the realization that my parents did not care to show me, like, my contemporary things... And so I just watched all their favorite things. Like, it wasn't oh, on purpose, okay. but my dad was like, I'm totally going to do this too. My dad was like, I love He-Man. Like, let's watch some He-Man. Yeah. And so, like, I try to bounce things off Addison all the time. And she's like, no, I haven't watched that show from 1973. <laughs> no. And I, I'm like, oh, I was accidentally raised in 1983. <laughs> and, like, as a child of the 2000s, I, uh, it was Hannah Montana and G.I. Joe for me. But... <laughs> So I've always loved Skeletor. I've always been a little meh on G.I. Joe. But Cobra Commander specifically, and Snake Eyes. Cobra Commander and Snake Eyes, two guys with cool masks. Oh, yeah. One with a huge personality and one with no personality. Like, everything you can That's all you need. All you need! A strong, silent badass and a loud, whiny villain. (laughs) That's the perfect formula. I will be there day one for these. Hell yeah. Um... I need to know how you're feeling about Daniel Warren Johnson's Transformers because I have some thoughts. I am enjoying it. I don't think I'm caught. How many issues are out? Yeah, I'm, I'm not caught up then. But I'm having a good time. I really, I think things didn't technically slow down the second issue, but they slowed down in the second issue for me. Where in the first issue, I was coming in like really excited and they were doing like really daring stuff, I felt like. But overall, I... I'm having a great time. And it's Dan Warren Johnson. So it's really coming down to how it's going to play out in the long run. Uh, I will say the one thing I'm not getting from it is I'm not feeling that energy I felt when I was reading Murder Falcon for the first time or when I was following Do a yep. Power Bomb month by month. Like Do a Power Bomb every single issue. I felt my heart skip. Like I was so 
even when I didn't go in excited, I went in going like, oh, I'm going to have a nice little comic here. I'd end the the comic with like my heart skipping a beat at some point and mm-hmm. just feeling like either empowered or distraught for the characters, something like that. So I didn't really feel that so much in the second issue. And I'm just interested to see if it's going to play out well. I think I'm also going to go back and reread the first two issues because I read review copies of them. So I might actually buy them and get them in like high definition and everything. But will that actually make a difference? Probably not. I might just wait for a trade. <laughs> yeah, I I think that's a really good thing. When I when we had Daniel Warren Johnson on the Comics Collective, he talked about how Transformers was going to be him letting his foot off the gas a little bit to give himself a break after do a powerbomb. Like he's like, I genuinely think do a powerbomb is the very best thing I can make right now. He's like, I have no idea how I'm going to top that. And he's like, I was having a real existential crisis about that. And then they offered me like, do you want to play with Transformers for a <laughs> year? And he's like, I love the Transformers. And so I'm just kind of like, he's like, I'm just writing a Transformers book. He's like, I'm going to have a ton of fun. I'm going to do the best I can. He's like, but this is not do a power bomb. Yeah. And I feel like I'm feeling that a little bit. There are some really great moments in both issues. Issue two that might be issue three. I think it was just issue two though. When Optimus Prime steps on the deer mm. and then has like this big moment, like, oh, this world is so fragile. I know for a fact in issue three, there's a callback to that moment that hit really, really hard. Um, but I just, I, I guess what I'm feeling is that like the work to care about the humans is there. Yes. But surprisingly, the work to care about the Transformers is not as much. And as someone who isn't very connected to the Transformers, Mm. I often find myself like beyond Optimus Prime, who I like because of the Michael Bay movies, (laughs) which boys, 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 frankly, (laughs) that was, as we established on the Everything But the Comics episode, that was the boys Barbie movie. It was the first Transformers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's the the funniest thing we said. That was the funniest thing we said. That's there you go. Highlight reel. That was the best part <laughs> from Evan and I. The women pulled it on that episode. They Evan were, and I. Lexi, especially, like shout out Lexi. She poured her heart into like what she was talking about. And then I was just like, time to talk about John Wick 4. <laughs> yep. 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 But I I just I don't care about the Transformers yet. And I keep feeling like the book wants me to care about the Transformers. Yeah. Because I mean, duh. It's the Transformers book. And I I've just bounced off of that a little bit. Like, I I think I've come to expect 10 out of 10s from Daniel Warren Johnson every time. And yeah. something I need to accept is like, I didn't finish Jurassic League. Like, I never read the last issue of that. Yeah. Same. You know, I think there are absolutely different modes from DWJ when he's doing his own stuff versus when he's getting a paycheck. Yes. And I don't Which mean that. Also, but yeah, also, we all, Beta Ray Villain. Yeah. Wonder Woman, Dead Earth were like... That's what I was going to say, yeah. Gangster. So, who knows? I might just might... be a curmudgeon on this. No, I think you, you're hitting on something. It also could just be that, like, maybe there is some type of long-term thing going on. But he is setting up something new. And this is, you know, like you said, he's only going to be on it for like a year or so. So he's trying to take his time setting it up and doing some of the ideas he wants to do. Mm-hmm. But it's mostly just uh, introductory stuff. So, and also for me, for someone who just reread or like read for the first time, the Transformers IDW, like first two volumes of their omnibuses, we're just covering the same stuff that I already saw last year. 
um, which is not his fault because like the IDW stuff is from like 2007 or something, right? Or 10. But yeah. for me, it was uh, new. And then I also knew it already from the old shows, the old comics, the old movies. So for me, it was just like, oh, we're just doing the same thing again. So there was some switch up and stuff like with which Transformers are alive right now, which was a big surprise. And then also, I feel like Optimus is being written in a little bit different of a way. Um, already we've seen him like have to deal with at least one or two um, like really tragic realizations. So I think that's very early for what you expect from Transformers. Usually that stuff you come in with later. Usually you're just like, ah, oh, they're fun Transformer robots. Watch them fight for the first seven volumes. And now it's the eighth volume. And Optimus Prime's going to realize war crimes are bad. And you're like, whoa, hold up. Whoa, whoa, where is this coming from? So instead, mm-hmm. Dan War Jossica kind of kicks off the first issue being like, war sucks. And what it does to us is rough. And also these characters are in a new world. They don't know what they're doing yet and how they're going to continue. So you kind of feel that a lot differently than what I felt in the IDW read through, which again, I like the IDW, but uh, so I think there's something different happening and it's just creating a new tone for Transformers that, and also for Dan Ward Johnson that I think we're not used to. So will it work or not? I think time will be the judge of that. I will say the artwork is absolutely not slacking. No, never like <laughs> Optimus Prime throw. I don't want to spoil anything because you haven't read issue three, but like, yeah. There are some scenes in issue three that had my jaw on the floor with how they're drawn. Hell yeah. Like nobody has ever mashed those robots together <laughs> in a more satisfying way. That's what I want to hear. Perfect. Like, they tear it up, man. <laughs> um, I don't have any specific deep thoughts about either Bone Orchard, Mythos, or Phantom Road, but I think Jeff Lemire is doing some incredible work with some even more incredible artists. Mm. Um, they're very different books. I am not caught up on Phantom Road. I'm letting it pile up a little bit. But like, I'm going to read it. It's Jeff Lemire and Gabriel Walta. At two geniuses working, even if I don't fully know what the hell's going on with this 18-wheeler trucker through an alternate hell. But I'm digging it. And I think Jeff Lemire is a steady backbone of image comics. Oh yeah. Like there is always a good Jeff Lemire book coming out for the last 10 years. And that's impressive. Usually more than one, frankly. Oh yeah. I don't know how he does it. I don't know how he comes up with the ideas. I don't know how he tracks everything, but he's doing a great job. I will not stop him. (laughs) Yeah. I think that's all from me for image. Do you have any other things you want to shout out? No, I was just about to say, I, I think I'm too far behind on everything right now. I'm just behind on comics. I've just been reading like random comics like Hellboy and stuff. So, oh. uh, <laughs> so like even I didn't even finish like Firepower, but that's also because the last they, issue I read really they, broke my legs. Yes. Yes. We talked about that. <laughs> yeah. The next issue. Yeah. Does a little skittly boop. Okay. That makes it interesting again. I still think it's stupid. Okay. But it did make me be like, oh, the next three issues will be good. Okay. Like there was some good, I'm like, okay, we didn't just rush past everything. Yeah. We rushed past, frankly, we rushed past the, we need to lose in a really big way before we come back and win in the biggest way. Yeah. Is like what it's coming down to. They, they skipped that. Okay. I will. I don't know. I don't want to like shot. tell you how to feel. But I was yeah, a little yeah. bit like, all right, now I'm going to finish the series instead of like just being kind of yeah. peeved. 
yeah, like right now, I'm just kind of like, is what it is. And it's not that, like, I've I always get... been like weirdly on the fence about firepower. I'm like, oh, I'm having a good time. It's a solid, like, like the first volume I thought was like a solid 9 out of 10, but, or volume zero. The volume zero one. was great. It was great. And then after that, it's always been like, oh, we're just dwindling around a 7 out of 10 book. And like, yep. I feel like the art is really doing the heavy lifting for the most the part. The art's a 15 out of 10. Yeah. So that's, say what you will about the writing then. But uh, by the end of the day, I was always like, I'm enjoying the book though. But that was like the issue where I was like, if I didn't finish this book, I wouldn't be surprised. So I definitely yeah. needed a reason to continue. And that was the one. I've really been like holding my hand on the rain covered window, looking out the glass, thinking <laughs> about how... I love Invincible yeah. more than I love most things. And another Robert Kirkman book has never hit that way. No. I wanted The Walking Dead to hit that way, but I read two compendiums and then have never picked up the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make you read it again, but... <laughs> I know you will. I know you will. And I'm <laughs> fine with that. That's after Hellboy. But um, my thing is just that... I guess I read The Walking Dead at the right time in my life, maybe, or something, but... It was doing a lot of things I didn't see in comics yet. And it was the first comic I read where I was like, this feels real. Like this feels like real people that I'm experiencing right now or watching. So I definitely, I think comics, there's, I found comics since that came out like after and before that I just read late that I was like, oh yeah, this isn't totally new, but it still did feel like the first time I was like, oh yeah, this is like a real world comic, which was really interesting to me. And I also fell in love with, uh, a lot of the characters in it to the point that when certain characters died, I was like distraught for the day where I was like, I don't want to do anything else. I'm done. I'm just going to sit here and read the next chapter. Cause I got to binge this to get to the next thing Then I caught up for issue 100 or whatever. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done all over again. I can't keep reading. And then I was there next month. I kept coming back. So mm-hmm. I, I get it though. If that's not, if it wasn't your cup of tea, I kind of understand, or if it just didn't hit correctly. I get it uh, if you don't like good comics. Like, yeah, I, I get understand. it if you're a fucking square nerd dweeb loser, but uh, that couldn't be me is what I'm getting at. I'm sure I will continue. I will love, like, what you just described is actually a lot of what I felt. Like, I was like, I read those compendiums. Yeah. They just made too clean. A really hard thing for me is when a thing gives me too clean of a jumping off point. Oh, okay. Like, the end of that compendium, I had to go and get the third compendium. Yeah. Or be done. Yeah. And it was easier to be done. I'm having the exact same problem with Twin Peaks right now, where they solved the mystery. And believe it or not, this historically is why Twin Peaks got canceled. Because Bob Iger was like, you have to tell them the solution to the mystery halfway through the second season. <laughs> and David Lynch and... I think his name's Richard Frost. I could be wrong. We're like, that's a maybe Mark Frost. I know, I know Frost is his last name. <laughs> they were both like, that's a very stupid idea, and people will stop watching. And he's like, nope, nope. You can't keep titillating everyone. Tell <laughs> them who killed Laura Palmer. And so they did, and viewership plummeted. <laughs> and I was like, that won't happen to me. This is the best show I've ever watched. And then I made it like three episodes. <laughs> past when they told me who killed laura palmer and then i blinked and i was like i haven't watched twin peaks in two weeks <laughs> what the hell i watched eight hours of that one day like i i didn't get anything done for a whole day because i couldn't stop watching twin peaks and now i accidentally didn't watch it for two weeks and i feel like that's what the walking dead did to me 
But that is neither here nor there. Yeah. Speaking so. of non-big two comics, I always feel weird calling them indie comics and not an image they're not creator-owned either. At the uh, <laughs> at the lackluster publishers. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> they're at, just the smaller ones. At the smaller house publishers. Dark House. Oh, Dark House. Nice. Dark Horse. Boom Studios and IDW. Beginning with Dark Horse, we have Assassin's Apprentice 2, number four. Avatar, Frontiers of Pandora, Sulex Journey, number two. Make make a comic about fucking Spider, that weird little white guy with the dreads. Make his comic. I have not seen Avatar 2 yet. <laughs> I will watch it <gasps> next week, I think. You didn't watch Didn't watch Way of Water? No, because everyone was like, you gotta see it in theaters. And I said, no, I refuse to see it in theaters. I didn't like the first one. You guys want to watch a bad, like, I don't think it's a bad movie. I just didn't like it, but whatever. I, they are pure escapism for me. Like, I love living on Pandora for three and a half hours and then never thinking about it again. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, Blue Book, 1947, number two. I wish I liked that book. Um, Yeah, I don't like it either, but we can talk about it. Yeah, no, we'll talk about it later, but like, I wish I liked that book. Count Crowley, Mediocre Midnight Monster Hunt, number four. Don't name your things mediocre. It just sets people up to let you know when it is. Critical Role, Tales of Exandria, II Artagon, number three. I'm going to start throwing hands. Dawn Runner, number one. Ghostbusters, Back in Town, number one. Dark Horse, try harder. The Goon, them that don't stay dead, number one. All right, I'm reading that. I'm reading The Goon. I'm reading The Goon, baby. The Goon? Yo. The Goon. Somewhere, somehow, Doug just fucking woke up in a cold sweat. I know. My brain is prime goon real estate. To he quote Doug, you. to quote Doug, while we were walking through my neighborhood and there was an abandoned warehouse that has since been knocked down, he went, I was lamenting that it was going to be knocked down. He said, that's prime goon real estate. How could they take that out? <laughs> And I wrote that down in a note. I have a note of all of my book ideas. And then a section. Prime real estate. And then a section that's like great dialogue. And it's just one line that says, that's prime goon real estate. <laughs> and that I makes it that. funnier. I don't want to add any more dialogue because that that deserves to be on its own. But my brain is about to be prime goon real estate. Uh, Helen of Windhorn, number one. Tom King, Bilquis Everly. We're going to talk a lot about this one. Yo, also, real quick, Matthew Lopez is on the, the colors for her again. And always what a fucking... And also Clayton Cowles, the letterer. Clayton like, Cowles was shit. all the lettering for Tom King. Hell yeah. That's Good. on purpose. Yes. No matter what company. He doesn't do any DC books other than Tom's. Hell yeah. Oh my god. This is like a dream team book right here. I, yeah. I'm so glad we got into letterers. <laughs> that was the best thing I did this year. Me was discover too. lettering um if you find this i'm already dead number two john carpenter's toxic commando rise of the sludge god number one kill all immortals number two lunar lodge number four masterpiece number four i was gonna say brave and then i saw the creative team and i went it might be um mortal terror number four the oddly pedestrian book about christopher chaos (laughs) (laughs) even try the the oddly pedestrian life of christopher chaos number eight quick stop two number four star wars the high republic adventures phase three number four star wars the high republic 
phase three, crash landing one shot. Time. I'm going to have a stroke. Time Traveler <laughs> Tales number four. Boom Studios. The Dispatched number one. Nope. <laughs> Try again. What? Dispatched comma the? the wrong one? Yeah. No, I'm on Boom. February 2023. February 2024? 2024. I'm sorry. No, it is 2024. Yeah, single issues. The Dispatched. Dispatched, comma, is the, the. Number the displaced? one. Displaced? Oh, it is Displaced! <laughs> <laughs> you read it multiple times. Mm, and I was, like, oh, I, want, I was like, oh, I must have the wrong solicitations. Mm. I was like, no, I'm right. <laughs> Just be wrong confidently, folks. Be, I'm telling you, I am, my optic nerves are di- disconnecting from reading these shitty titles. They're like phase two, number seven, volume six, number eight. <laughs> That's a terrible title. Hire Evan Von Doom to give you your titles. Number one title guy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I could do it. All right. Contacts are failing me. The Displaced, number one. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, The Return, number one. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, number 117. House of Slaughter, Ashcan, number 21. <laughs> Grim Pen and Ink, number one. Animal Pound, number two. Also cool. Oh, uh, Pine and Merrimack, number two. Also cool. Underheist, number three. Lotus Land, number four. The Space Between, number four. Once Upon a Time at the End of the World, number 12. Finally time for me to read that whole series. Abbott, 1979, number five. Slow Burn, number five. Firefly, The Fall Guy, number six. Ex- the Expanse, Dragon Tooth. Number nine, Zawa and the Belly of the Beast. Number four, Orcs, The Gift. Number three. And finally, IDW Publishing. Let's see if I can read this with no mistakes. Beneath the Trees Where Nobody Sees. Number four, Dungeons and Dragons, Further Finder. Number four, Dungeons and Dragons, Saturday Morning Adventures 2. Number two, Earth Divers. Number 15, Godzilla Rivals, Mothra versus Magira. Godzilla, Best of Destroya. Golgotha Motor Mountain number one. They put that one in just for you. Yeah, goodness gracious. Our, um, Rodriguez on Arthur, so can't be too mad. That's true. Uh, Killmore number five. The Ministry of Compliance number three. My Little Pony can Bucky <laughs> Roller Derby number two. Okay, that just healed the part of my soul that all these bad. Can Bucky? That's so funny. I don't even know why. Evan's giving me a dirty look for laughing at that, but that made me laugh. No, it's um it's fine no, that's yeah. that's what that's makes your, you laugh that's your style of humor for sure <laughs> that's so like mean really just so- <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you would laugh at that dude yeah. oh yeah mm. for sure mm. yeah that's awesome wow man that's some real raised in utah type humor you're right hey what if we went to the next one <laughs> sonic the hedgehog bang the hunter number two star trek number Hell 17 yeah. star trek defiant number 12 star trek picard's academy number six teenage mutant ninja turtles number 148 teenage mutant ninja turtles saturday morning adventures number 11 teenage mutant ninja turtles sourcebook number one teenage mutant ninja turtles the last roman two dash revolution number one number one wow freddie mercury that's pretty good Thank you. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin. Yo, Turns hot... out that book keeps going. Who knows? Yo, not even, I don't know if it's a hot take or not. I think it was a hot take because I said it online and people got mad at me. Last Ronin is not this good. It is not, not good enough that we need a sequel. It's not good enough it needs a video game, but I will play the video game. It's not good enough that it even needs the little spin offs that it got. But if it's making the money, 
go fucking nuts. I don't care. It's nice to see Kevin Eastman back and everything, but what are we really getting from the last Ronin at this point that we haven't seen a hundred times before? You know? But this time like it's it, starring like, a Ninja Turtle. This time it stars a Ninja Turtle. It's 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 the Dark Knight Returns, but it's a Ninja Turtle. You know what's even funnier is that if this was a Daredevil book, I wouldn't complain. <laughs> so true, Bestie. So true. <laughs> there never so be allegations. True. We're fake as hell. Um, dearest IDW Publishing, beneath the trees where nobody sees is heat. February, apparently there's no hunger in the dust coming out, which oh. always makes me nervous. Um, if that book got canceled, I will storm the Capitol. Um, I will scream and shout and throw up if there is no more hunger in the dusk. That is my favorite comic yeah. coming out right now. Um, but Beneath the Trees Where Nobody Sees, fantastic. One of the best murder mysteries going on in comics right now. The first issue, I only read the first issue, it absolutely grabbed me. And was talking so much about it that I was convinced it was going to be bad. But that I really, <laughs> you know how when Ed gets like really excited about something, so I'm like, all right, you're a little bit too excited. Something I'm not gonna like this. I'll spite at this point. But that's so mean. That's so mean. <laughs> I can't help it. No, I also I'm joking. That only happened once. Um, but beneath the trees where nobody sees. Number one, the issue was like really, really gripping and very good, and the twist in it was like, like the twist, like the first quote unquote twist. Like you know the premises. So it's not mm-hmm. really a twist, but the lead up to it is really good. Yo, that second a, twist though. The second twist though, I was like that. That was that's where I was like, oh, this is the book. This is the book I, I gotta be watching. That was so, I don't know why this is my reference point, but that was in the boys when Huey's holding his girlfriend's hand and then freight train runs through her, and you're just like, what? Yeah. What? <laughs> what? A, that's the show. <laughs> that's exactly how it felt to hit the second twist of Beneath the Trees where nobody sees. Yes. Or for other fans of comic book stuff. It's like when in, in Invincible, when Omni-Man's just like, I'm bad now. I'm bad, I'm by bad the way. boy. You're like, oh, shit. It's not as impactful as that, but it's still very good. What we're saying is there's an evil Superman in this. Yeah. Everyone's favorite. He's back. His name it's, is, Blar- is Bark Bat. That's awesome. That's a really good joke you just made. <laughs> that that is you. That is your sense of humor. You're right. <laughs> This is the joke that's going to keep coming back. And one of us is going to get angry. <laughs> yeah, one of us is going to get our feelings hurt. And it's going to be me. I have the thinnest skin on the planet. <laughs> we text each other after the show all the time. Be like, I think you did a great job. I think you... <laughs> In case my face didn't read correctly, you did great. And also, here's $50. <laughs> here's, go buy yourself lunch. Go buy three yeah. lunches. <laughs> go, please continue being my friend. Because I... <laughs> not sure that joke came through um yes but that is your sense of humor you're so right so, anyway um, uh, <laughs> this is the last episode of the podcast yeah all right um uh, i don't know what the golf throw motor mountain is about but i like the title i don't say it <laughs> don't even start i bet you do um <laughs> I I don't know why <laughs> I had the immediate opposite reaction to the title. I was like, I don't know why, but I hate that. Yeah. <laughs> so 
I heard you say us. the words, and I was like, oh, he didn't like that at all, but I had a great time. <laughs> That's why I had to throw it. But Robbie Rodriguez is there. Robbie Rodriguez. <laughs> but hold on. Uh, uh, let's, not, let's not sell it short just yet. Whoa, guys. Whoa. Let's give, her, let's give it a chance. <laughs> like soft launching your friend you invited to the new friend group. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Did he offend you all right away? Yes. But let's give him a chance. Come yeah, on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> he just kind of has like a, a dark sense of humor. Yeah. He's kind of zany. Um, racist. No. Racist, but it's a dark sense of humor. Okay. No, he's, it's just a joke. He's just yeah, kidding. Yeah, he voted for Trump twice, but. <laughs> <laughs> Even the second. My favorite thing in the world is didn't vote the second time. That is the fun. Like, Wally West didn't vote for Trump the second time. Yeah, but that's only because he had a character arc between that. <laughs> oh, you know, he absolutely voted the first time. He was excited about yeah, it. He was too excited about it. <laughs> like, finally, like, someone's doing something about them. And everyone's like, <laughs> who's them? Who's them, Who? Wally? And then, like, Blood Brother, like, pops in. He's like, aha, time to attack. And he's like, come on, team. And he runs off. They're like, we have to ask him about that later. And they never did. They forgot. It never got around to it. But Cyborg always gave him a different look after that. And his best friend friend who is latino beast boy was like what what did you mean about that <laughs> yeah the uh red irish latino beast boy yes he's, he's a redhead and he's irish i don't want that well go talk to jeff johns i don't want that either yeah fair enough <laughs> that's a double punishment um is there ready... anything else at idw <laughs> no because the really great godzilla comic that's coming out right now will be over by february oh yeah the Andrew McLean Godzilla comic. Yeah. If you're not on that yet, especially after Godzilla minus one, come on, get on it. There's a Godzilla comic coming out with the artist is Megan Huang, I want to say. And it's like a Valentine's Day one shot. So I thought it would be coming out this month, but maybe it came out in January. But I am excited about that one because I like the artist on that specifically. Fun. But, and also, best of the Destroyer. I fucking love Destroyer. That's the dude. He's that dude. He's the one. So, and I hope he's never in another movie again, because no one's going to match what he did in his first movie. True. You haven't seen that one yet, right? No. You should I just, watch I agreed that with soon. you to seem cool. You should watch it. You should watch all the Heisei era, and it ends with that, and his appearance is so cool. Literally, music kicks in, camera pops on him, giant beast wingspan. He looks like Kaiju Satan, and there's just fire bursting behind him. It's the coolest thing. And he's like the coolest villain. And that's saying a lot because Ghidorah's my favorite. So you already know I got great taste. Ghidorah is super rad. I need to rewatch Bialante because I was in a chuckle guy mood the night that I watched it and I kept making jokes. And I uh, hate myself for that. Yeah, the flowers are my... so beautiful. I am you mad really at myself did. every day for not taking Bialante seriously when I had the chance to watch it. Hey. I just kept talking about how they only cast really hot people in that movie for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) It was my act. This is going to sound very mean, but I promise it's not. It was my opposite reaction watching Minus One, where I was like, huge day for normal looking people again. Yeah. Like, everybody looks like a normal human in this movie. (laughs) Belante had the. (laughs) Go ahead. Uh, Belante had the exact opposite ethos, where they're like, everyone is so hot. Yeah. Like that secret agent guy that was like running around the yeah. whole time. And I kept calling him Mr. Pants. Mr. <laughs> Pants was so hot. It's always so funny whenever a Godzilla movie is just like, all right, but yeah, but what if we did like Jay's Bond? Cause that's in style right now. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what they do. And I'm almost like, it works. Mm-hmm. It works. Except for, for uh, the millennium era, but that's a different conversation. 
Speaking of conversation, let's talk about Dark Horse. So what's for Blue Book? Not to talk shit about a comic, because I think everyone, there's a comic for everyone, and this is someone's favorite comic, and I think that's great. But what about Blue Book doesn't work for you? Um, I think in the effort to tell a nonfiction story, the story structure that James Tynan is usually so good at with an issue feeling like a satisfying chunk of a story that leaves you wanting more isn't quite there. Like I, I don't feel like I am participating in a story. I feel like I am being told a story, which is an issue I've heard other people have with department of truth, but mm. I've never had with department of truth. I've always enjoyed department of truth a lot. Yeah. This was the first time I had the feeling that other people describe with that book where I was like, this feels like I'm, reading an illustrated Wikipedia article about the events. Like it feels like the characters are just following along the tracks that are set before them instead of like acting like people. Yeah. It definitely, it just feels like I'm listening to a documentary podcast with Mm -hmm. images in front of it. Like when you watch like, like lore videos or whatever. So like you were saying, there's not a real story structure. It is just someone being like, like sitting down with someone and that person being like, here's what happened. And there's no really thematic resonance. There's no moral. There's no <clears throat> really even a story. It's just a tale that some dude is telling you that happened to him. So that's interesting to some people, but I don't think it works for me. Maybe if it was like one big book of it, but even then I still feel like one, I'd, I'd have to be in the mood or it would have to they'd have to break it into like short stories <clears throat> in the same way, like Junji Ito, when he adapts stories, he adds mm-hmm. his own twist to it. So that's kind of what I needed from these books that I'm not getting. But again, I do think it's just, this is what they wanted to do and that's what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I'm disappointed because I love both the creators mm-hmm. and it felt like it would be of a piece with department of truth, which I really love. Yeah. But it, like you're saying, I think it was missing a little bit of that narrative fluidity. Like even something as simple as like, and this this is probably flying too close to the sun to like give mm-hmm. notes to James Tynan. But if there was a present day character who was learning these things yes. about a grandparent or like whatever, you know, like give me something to latch onto this information. Like, yeah weave a narrative around if you want documentary which is what they want like they're not making anything up if you want documentary okay give me narrative around that documentary to keep me interested even like it could be a real narrative it could be like why james tyan specifically wanted to tell these stories like he could be we, we could see him he could write himself and being like and showing an arc of like what he thought and like how it changed his opinion on like the supernatural as he's reading these things, or if he already went in with a supernatural understanding or like love for it, how does that mentally affect him? Or like how did that change how he views certain things in his own life? Like having that kind of reflection in the story could have helped connect everything. Instead, it just feels, again, like someone's telling us something and then we're done. It's just having a conversation with a dude at a bar. Um, there's a, a, technically a beginning, middle, and end, but there's no real through line besides this thing happened. I think one thing that is really interesting about the Substack books, which I mean, transformed comics, right? Mm. There's been a second wave of Substack books for sure. Um, The Substack books in retrospect seem to be the books that all these creators didn't feel they could get off the ground at a regular publisher. And for a lot of people, like I love the cull from Kelly Thompson, 
Kelly Thompson very clearly was like, I cannot... Matthias Eulis, who I'm working with, is a very slow artist to mm. create the kind of art that he does. I can't release this at a pace that will be fiscally responsible. <laughs> so I'm going to use Substack money to pay both of us to let him take all the time in the world yeah. to make this book get made. And that seems to be the case for a lot of people. Like It was definitely a safety net for Tom King to hire Elsa Chartier to make Love Everlasting, which is brilliant, which then just became an ongoing series at Image Comics. Like yeah. it was basically just like, um, like kickstart money, you know, like yeah. it's seed like money. Like almost a backdoor pilot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like seed money for a series they wanted to do. This, James Tynan doesn't have an issue launching creator-owned comics. Like mm-hmm. he is the guy who currently has the golden goose of creator-owned comics. And so Blue Book, to me, feels like the answer to that equation. Like, for the guy who has everything, for the guy who can make any creator-owned comic work, like, what's the one passion project you know won't sell? Yeah. (laughs) And that's where Blue Book came from. Like, he wanted to make it. He wanted to make it with Oming. And he was right. (laughs) 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 Didn't sell. Well, it, it got done though, so he has got done. that he could be proud of, which is nice. And exactly. Uh, at the end of the day, you got to make comics for yourself. So I'm glad. Again, I'm glad he's playing this out, and I'm glad there has to be someone out there. Who's, this sounds so amazing. There has to be someone out there that is enjoying it though. So I'm glad that is the case. Uh, otherwise, uh, Dark Horse actually has a lot of comics I'm interested in, but just haven't had a chance to read yet because they're not out yet. Like Dawn Runner seems really interesting. Helen of Windhorn seems really interesting. I want to talk about that one for five seconds. Do your thing. The whole creative team behind Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow are getting back together to make this. Like yeah. that is that is why they're doing it. Tom King has said, like, I wanted that whole team back together to do like a another one for the girlies. Hell He's yeah. like, I'm doing another one for exactly the people who love Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow. We're doing it again. And if Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow was just true grit in space, this one is Wuthering Heights in the Wizard of Oz. Oh yeah, the the description says, which makes me more excited personally, is Conan the Barbarian meets the Wizard of Oz. I think like, it's yeah. really interesting. They touched on Conan the Barbarian in the solicits, and he hit on Wuthering Heights when he talks about it. Yeah. Um, it is very interesting. He's he's a big fan of classic literature. He's really good at understanding literary tropes yes. and those kind of characters. I'm an enormous fan of a lot of the things that Tom King is an enormous fan of. So. I'm excited about this. I'm also excited to see him branching out from superheroes. I think that he understands his safe zone. Like he can write the same kind of superhero comics forever and make a pretty good paycheck. And they go down in history as like one of the greats. And so I think it's really cool to see him stretching himself, going out and touching his toes in other genres and preparing for something like his book over a boom animal pound to do a creator on book. Yeah. I also think he works better when he's exploring different genres. Like all my favorite stuff by him is not so much as well. It ends up being the superhero stuff, but it's whenever he's trying something new in superhero stuff. Like when the Batman books don't work for me is one, when he's way too prosy or two, when it's too superhero. So there's that nice middle ground in like Bane's, uh, I am suicide arc like really early in the run that's a perfect mixture of prose in the superhero format 
and it feels unique and different. Uh, and then up, up and away, or sorry, up in the sky, uh, it really, Ooh. really brings that home where he's like, this is the ideal prose format, superhero background, and it's a beautiful, beautiful series of vignettes. And I think that's probably my favorite by him right now. But uh, then like in Love Everlasting, he's hitting on like different genres all in a pulp format, but he's really good at going like, what is this genre and how do I highlight the good and the uh, critical critical aspects of it? And it never feels hammy. It never feels forced. It always feels like he's actually, he did the legwork to actually understand these things. He studied it. And now we're seeing this in a modern setting. So I'm, I'm very excited. Every time he says, I'm going to try something new, I'm always there for a new Tom King book. I think he's someone who wears his influences on his sleeve. Like he's yeah. not afraid to tell you that his Rorschach book is just Citizen Kane. <laughs> um, but he does always find a fresh way to apply those formulas. Yeah. Like he, if art is theft, Tom King is one of the greatest thieves. Hell yeah. As we Bar- shall be. Bars. Uh, I'm going to bars myself there. But uh, <laughs> I'm excited for the you goon. You would think that's funny. Yeah, I would. <laughs> um, I need to read the original Goon comics. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to read this one. I'm going to do it. I'm going to read Goon. Hell I'm going to read Goon. Let me know how it is. I will. I'll probably read Grendel first. Because in the pantheon of books that Doug has told me to read that I haven't yet, Grendel is at the top of the list. Have you read Concrete yet? It's right below Grendel. Right above like the Goon. I read the first volume and I really dug it. And I just stopped. The, he has nothing but heaters. Oh, yeah. And I consistently ignore them. Yes. He's like, here's a perfect book that you'll love. Okay, you're not reading it. All right. That just zoomed right past you. Like him and Anne keep recommending Doctor Who. And I bet I will love Doctor Who if I ever watch it. I will not watch it. I am literally coming in just because I like the new actor for the new Doctor. I love the new actor. I don't think I'm going to watch it still. I also like, uh, was it the 12th Doctor? The one who hates Doctor Who? Yeah. When I heard he hates Doctor Who, I was like, hell yeah, man. Chris Eccleston, I think his name is. Oh, that's the ninth one. Oh, my bad. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, but when he was just like, "Oh, I hate Doctor Who," I was like, "Hell yeah, man! Yo, I might watch your season. Yo, we're on the same page. This is great." And I like David Tennant, so I was always on the verge of watching Doctor Who for him, but just decided not to. I was like, "I, I got to cut some nerdy thing out, and I'm not cutting Star Trek. God damn it!" So Doctor Who took the boot. Sorry. Yeah, uh, television is hard medium for me to commit to. It's so much time. There's a lot. You gotta sit there and watch. Ugh. It's brutal. It's, it's it's so brutal. It's brutal letting that art happen at me. Well, the thing is just like you could watch a show for 40 minutes or you could read a whole graphic novel at the same time. You got to get a full story or just one episode. I don't know. That's all I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, speaking of great titles, if you find this, I'm already dead. I love that title. I'm absolutely picking up issue Matt one. Kent. Yes. Like immediately... From the title alone, if I didn't know it was Matt Kent, I'd already be like into it. Then the cover, I'm already into Great it. Great cover. It's Matt Kent. So I'm just like, all right, dude, we're in. Dude, you get me. You yeah. get me. Matt Kent, heck yeah. And Bill Crabtree on the colors. That's going to be a pretty book. Oh, my That's going to be a pretty I'm book. I'm not familiar with the artist, to be honest, so I can't comment on that. But our cover art looks good. Um, Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Malev 
starting up Masterpiece, yeah. a creator-owned comic at a Dark Horse. I know nothing about it, but I'm going to pick up issue one. Issue one might have just come out, actually. Oh, I yeah, that makes sense. We'll see if that has happened. But I, their Daredevil is one of my favorite comics of all time. Yeah, it's one of the best of all time. I, do, I think it's so good that all of the early 2000 comics are overrated crowd. The like Brian Michael Bendis is overrated crowd who yeah. are wrong, by the way. Okay. Um, I don't think that they even have the cojones to say that that's no good. No. Like I never hear that that run is overrated. No, they just don't talk about it. That's how they yeah. get around it. Yeah. Um, Which I respect. Yeah. I I really respect people that can keep their mouth shut because it's not me. Yeah. I also not respect me. haters. You know? If you hate something so much, you just want to talk about that. Hell yeah, man. I'm going to block you. But go do your speak your truth, man. <laughs> talk, I'm not interested in that. But hell yeah, dude. <laughs> talk your shit, girl. Uh, I am less kind on that in my heart. But I respect that from you. I mean, You, you would man. find that funny. Okay. So, Boom Studios, Boom Animal Studios, Pound Animal from Pound. Tom King and Peter Tom Gross. Tom King and Peter Gross. You're doing great. I'm just trying to help. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just here. No, yeah, it's just your show, man. Rude as hell. <laughs> <laughs> That's so much worse. I remember once there was a podcast host who gave me an evil trick. Where he's like, when someone's mean to you, and he's like, you have two options. You can be mean to them back, which will feed the energy, mm-hmm. or you can just ruin their whole day by being like, that was really mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. That really hurt my feelings. Ow. That was really mean. And you'll you ruin mean the- hurt so much? You'll ruin the whole interaction. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love that. It's way better dagger. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited for Animal Pound from Tom yes. King and Peter Gross. Again, the format of this show is funny because I talk about being hyped for books for months before <laughs> they come out. <laughs> like I have, I have not read this book. Uh, I don't. It comes from Boom, so I'll get a crappy uh, um, <laughs> PDF of it. That it makes me so mad. Their review copies are only ever the first half of the comic. Like that's their solution to oh. pirating or oh. something. And I'm just like, I can't review. I don't know how the issue turned out. I can't yeah, review this. Need the full like, story. I need yeah. the full issue. It that's interesting. Huh. Drives me crazy. Yeah. I was like, just watermark it like the grown-ups do. What are you doing, Boom Studios? <laughs> I also I recently found out. Uh, shout out Kyle Starks of Pine and Merrimack, right below this on mm-hmm. Boom Studios, which is a detective book that he is incredibly proud of. Small town detective book starring a husband and wife who it's essentially the worst day of their life plays out over the course of four days. And it's really fun. Really good. Um, He talked boom is the publisher owned by an enormous company. Like I don't, he didn't tell me and I didn't know who like, like it's, very corporate among all the comic book people. So like, it makes sense oh. that they'd be the ones that are like, well, we're not giving them the whole issue. We can't give away products for free. Oh yeah. <laughs> like he's like, that's the one where there are like 47 money crunchers for every decision. Jesus. <laughs> Which I was like, Oh, I wouldn't have guessed. No, I mean, I guess it makes sense now that I think about it. Cause they do have a lot of licensed comics. Yeah. Usually. Mm-hmm. 
but they also love... so does IDW. Does IDW have the same type of non-restraint or restraint, I guess? I think IDW and Dark Horse are really similar, where they yeah. started really brave, and then when they couldn't make ends meet, they were like, Sonic the Hedgehog for sale, Sonic the Hedgehog for sale. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they went Keeps from the, the people... Open. They went from being the people that made Hellboy to the people who were like... Sonic the Hedgehog for sale. Sonic the Hedgehog for sale. <laughs> I think they're trying new stuff now again. Like Dark Horse. They have a few licensed stuff, but like most of the stuff we read was just like new stuff. Instead of doing. instead of now again, I want you to say now and then. That's more accurate. They try new stuff now and then. <laughs> right now, in this period of time, for the last year, they've been trying new stuff. Hey, and IDW has Hunger in the Dusk, which comic of the year, baby. Hell yeah. Hunger and Dusk, I think, is slowly turned to my saga. Because I didn't love saga as much as everyone else did. I just liked it. So, oh, that's, there we go. That's crazy. You were, you were, you were in, like, shadows for a second there. Because you're lighting in your room. I was scared. When I said that, you just went dark. Just, and then got really close to the camera. And then the lights came back. Full dark. And I was um, like, oh, my God. Sorry. Yeah, okay. saga. Like saga. I don't know. I don't know what about. I don't know what about it. I don't know what about. Wah, wah. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you have any others from boom studios you want to talk about i mean honest, no i bought like the first few issues of once upon a time at the end of the world because i like the title <laughs> and jason aaron and nick dragata on it never read it so oh, that's where we're at um and then yeah i'm, I'm excited for animal pound uh pine and merrimick i love kyle starks i keep wanting to go back to power rangers that i just never do but i enjoy the power ranger comics they're really fun um and this one the return amy joe johnson the original pink ranger uh on the american side of things uh is co-writing it so that's kind of exciting to me but rather than that i feel like that's it maybe lotus land because the covers look good <laughs> i'm a cover guy rock and roll you're a cover girl baby cover girl um, we totally mixed it up in our announcement of who's saying what. It is you doing DC this time around. That's right, because Marvel got it. Yes, because I did Marvel last time. All right, Correct. so DC Comics. We're ending with Marvel because we want to talk about the Ultimate Universe, of course. All right, here we go. DC, single issues. Batman number 142, Batman number 143, Batman number 144, Sinister Sons number one, Suicide Squad Kill Arkham Asylum number one, Justice League versus Godzilla versus Kong, number five. Batman Off World, number four. Is he kissing? Never mind. Is that? Is that? It looks like it's Batman. The cover looks like Batman kissing Starfire. It's a different Tamarian that is not Starfire. Okay. From is it a in story. Batman? No, it is our Batman. <laughs> <laughs> this comic whips. I will talk really? about it. It whips. Hell yeah. Love it. All right. Uh, you did tell me about it before. Okay, cool. Uh, Batman and Robin number six, Batman the Brave and the Bold number ten, Detective Comics number ten eighty two, Nightwing number one eleven, Birds of Prey number six, Outsiders number four, Catwoman number sixty two, The Penguin number seven, Harley Quinn number thirty seven, Poison Ivy number nineteen, still going strong, hell yeah, Wesley Dodds the Sandman number five. I hope this series, I know it's a mini series, I hope it never ends. I uh, want Jay it Garrick's, ever. Honestly, they should just keep making them. They should cancel Batman and replace it with Sandman. I would honestly, yes, for 100% sure. 
I've been so disappointed in Batman recently. We can do that later at the top of Uh, after these, but yeah. Jay Garrick, the flash number five, Alan Scott, the green lantern number five, red hood, the hill number one. Uh, that actually looks really fun. I'm excited for that. Red hood, the hill number zero, uh, action comics, 1062 Superman. Number 11. Whoa. That is a cover. You see the second cover for Superman number 11? Yeah. 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 They're reading very smart. Neil before Zod, number two. Batman Superman World's Finest, number 24. Power Girl, number six. Uh, Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville, number six. Wonder Woman, number six. Uh, Amazon Attack, number five. The Flash, number six. Speed Force, number four. Titans, number eight. Uh, Green Arrow, number nine. Green Lantern, number eight. Green Lantern, War Journal, number six. Shazam, number eight. Blue Beetle, number six. Please buy that book. Uh, Batman 89, Echoes, number three. Superman 78, The Metal Curtain, number four. Uh, The Batman, First Night, number one. Interesting. Uh, Batman, City of Madness, number three. Hell yeah. John Constantine, Hellblazer, Dead in America, number two. We're so back. The Batman and Scooby-Doo Mysteries, number two. And Scooby-Doo, Where Are You, number 126. No Looney Tunes. No that's my, that's fucking Zaslov. What the hell? And his beef with Bugs Bunny. Yo, Zaslov, where's my Looney Tunes at, man? You stupid son of a gun. There... I The day that he tried to take Looney Tunes off of HBO Max that everyone then bullied him out of doing it, <laughs> I went and watched a bunch of Looney Tunes because it was yeah. on my mind. And again, as a little boy who was raised in 1943, uh, <laughs> Looney Tunes, huge part of my childhood. And it was so fun and still so funny. Like, I never put it together that all of my love for classical music came from the fact that most of those episodes are silent and just set to classical music and just have crazy animations over the top of the classical music. I guess that makes sense, yeah. Yeah, they're awesome. I love the Looney Tunes. Uh, Let's, I'm just... Working from bottom up. I have accidentally become a DC girl. Hell yeah. Uh, I think Anne might be controlling my mind. I don't know what it is. 2023 was the year that DC surpassed Marvel in my interest, which I never thought would happen in a million years. But when I think about comic books that I am actively excited for Mm -hmm. and rush to read, they are all DC or creator owned. But honestly, mostly DC right now, which is crazy. Like, I never in a million years thought this is, would be who I am and where I am. Yeah. But it's just it's a ton of fun. A lot of great stuff's going on. Uh, first thing I want to shout out, John Constantine, Hellblazer, Dead in America. Yes. At New York Comic Con, I told Cy Spurrier that one of the saddest days for me as a comic reader was the cancellation of his Hellblazer. And yeah. he looked me in the eyes and he said, you're about to have a great day. And it was <laughs> the day that they announced that they were going to let him do this arc. Hell yeah. And I am so excited. This is one of my favorite comics in recent memory. And I'm so trepidatious, but excited. Like, I hope that the break since he has written that other stuff hasn't changed just that like angry rock in his shoe approach that Cy Spurrier had to Hellblazer. Cause yeah. like, he was mad when he wrote that original series, and it was great. And I hope he is still mad, because I need his funky, mean, 
Hellblazer. I'm 100% with you. I love his Hellblazer. Uh, I love Suspiria. Great guy. I got to talk to him. Um, and I think I'm also a little concerned. I think I have to go back and reread Constantine as well, just for myself to get back in the mood for it. Because I'm worried that one, I'll just jump in and just be like, I'm not in the mood anymore for this. Uh, and I'm also worried that, you know, he just has a different vision for it now than what was being clearly set up before. So, and also, you know, it being a mini series, I don't know exactly what his goal is going to be in terms of the story. If it's just going to be the next arc or if he's going to try to conclude it, like wrap it up in this next arc. So uh, it's just all wait and see, but I'm very excited for it and I'm probably going to love it. Yeah, um, I'm very, very excited for it. The next thing, actually, do you want to talk about Blue Beetle? So I'm not just plowing through all the stuff that I like. Yes. <laughs> uh, first, I want to give a quick shout out to Batman City of Madness. Uh, it looks great. And Christian Ward has been very excited about it. And I'm very excited Nicest to read guy it in comics. Nicest what? guy in comics. Yeah, honestly, yeah. He's so cool. He's just chill, dude. Uh, but Blue Beetle is really fun. I love Blue Beetle. I'm not caught up right now, but it's having I'm having a great time with it. It's what real comics is all about to me. And I think more people would like it if they gave it a chance. And I'm always worried about that and Birds of Prey being canceled. And I'm pretty sure Birds of Prey is about to get canceled. So I think people should really read Birds of Prey Blue for Beetle. sure has 12. Okay. All right. Kelly Thompson put out a really concerning feeling tweet that seemed to talk around Birds of Prey. So it made me feel like sales are not what they're supposed to be. But mm. that that was just the vibe I got from it. Obviously, very much just speculation and everything. Things um, could have changed. Last time I talked to her, it was 12. Okay. Might be I hope canceled. things Who did knows? not change. I hope it's fucking 50 issues. I miss when comics were just 50 issues of one creator vision. But um, And I hope that for Blue Beetle. I really want that for Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle, I'm having a great time. It's very fun. I love the art. Um, and it feels special and like it's leading to something special and birds of prey since i'm talking about it already i really love that i love the art the fact that everyone doesn't have that on their pull list is insane to me i understand there's some people who are just going to want to be haters just to be haters and i also understand that some people were concerned about the oracle stuff and i understand not wanting to read it because oracle or babs isn't oracle in it i don't totally understand not wanting to read it just because oracle's not a highlight of the first arc um but also you know that's just a conversation to have and i don't think i'm the right person to lead that conversation whatsoever so i'm gonna leave it at that i'm having a great time with birds of prey i hope everyone checks it out i hope everyone checks out blue beetle um and that's basically it i am an enormous fan of birds of prey as well i mean everybody knows i am a kelly thompson diehard she made me read 50 issues of captain marvel I have never been more sure, hilariously, that I had not fallen in love with a character but continued to love a creator than, like, Alyssa Wong is a super talented writer. And I, two issues of Captain Marvel, I was like, ha ha, it was Kelly Thompson. That's funny. (laughs) I didn't know that it was Kelly Thompson. It was Kelly Thompson. (laughs) Whoops. (laughs) Whoops. But her Birds of Prey is really special because it allows her to lean into her strengths. It yeah. is a book full of characters with unique and delightful voices that we want to be funny, flirty, and powerful. And those are the three things that Kelly Thompson writes very best, especially when she is writing her female characters. Her yeah. Captain Marvel run was built around 
Carol Danvers continuously creating a team of girls to go do something cool. <laughs> and this book is just DC team of girls doing something cool, but with a more consistent and better art team. And so the idea that this can't make it 50 issues and Captain Marvel could is honestly a little disheartening. I really hope it continues to go because this is one of the most interesting books on the shelves right now. Yeah. And also the other big thing about Birds of Prey is that she's so good at giving everyone a moment so far. Like, it feels like everyone gets a highlight. There's an issue where they're finding Wonder Woman. And even, like, Harley Quinn and, like, Cass both feel like they're capable. Not that any of them are capable of, like, withstanding Wonder Woman alone. But they all get to be a part of the team. And it feels like a team book. And everyone feels like they're a player and have a place in the team. Which is hard to do. I've I've seen great writers just totally drop the ball when it comes to teams sometimes. And other times you see a great writer and you're just like, oh, this person did not want to do a team book. And it's stuck with it. So you don't feel that way with Kelly Thompson. It feels like she picked the character she really wanted to write for the first arc. And it's very clear she has a voice in mind for all these characters and then some and has an idea of where she wants to go with it. So I'm very excited. I hope, really, really hope it continues. Um, My book that I was terrified was going to be canceled after six was Shazam. So Shazam number seven and number eight being announced is the best Christmas present I've gotten so far this year. I love this stupid book. I love that the next arc is about the paperwork dinosaurs coming to kick Shazam's ass because he kept putting off filling out his paperwork for the paperwork dinosaurs through the first arc. Evan, I don't. I can tell from your face you're not reading this comic. I'm there, not. <laughs> it sounds fun. There was a family of space Tyrannosaurus rexes that speak English and wear fancy like Victorian England outfits that crash landed on earth. And Billy Batson Shazam used magic to help get them home. And then their race who was very scientific sent they served him. They sent him paperwork. That's like, it's (laughs) actually illegal to help us with magic. And you're going to have to fill out all this paperwork about what you did or there will be consequences. And him being a teenage boy was like, I'm Whatever. not I'm doing not that. Doing paperwork. <laughs> and just kept doing his his adventure. And every issue, there was a reminder because one of the dinosaurs, the dinosaur that brought the serve stayed yeah. waiting for it to happen. And so he became like a really great supporting character that was like, you guys got to do this soon. <laughs> and then the end of issue six was the giant starship of Tyrannosaurus Rexes. Like you didn't do your paperwork. That's Time awesome. to destroy Earth. And it's <laughs> awesome. And also issue five was about a horny bee lady from the JLA in the 90s, like Queen yeah. Bee. And her and Shazam, like she totally is like Shazam's type and he's like down bad for her. And it was so funny. <laughs> like this book is just so funny, whimsical. And again, the art is incredible. Like oh, yeah. we we all know Dan Mora is on a different level. Dan Mora with the color team that he has had on Shazam. Mm. I, I'm i sorry, I don't have it in front of me. I know it's a different color than what he's got going on in World's Finest. And it makes a world of difference. Um, issue 8 does have a new artist I was gonna say, yeah. that is not Dan Mora. I don't know who this artist is. I am still very hopeful and excited. Um, I know 
the thing that is not announced that Dan Mora is working on. And so I can't be that mad because it's very cool. Um, but I am sad that it probably means he will not be working on Shazam. I am also sad he won't be working on Shazam. I do want to check out Shazam. Also, uh, message me what he's working on. And uh, <laughs> But my next thing would probably be, because I'm not reading Shazam, unfortunately. Right, will uh, you just edit it out if I tell you? Instead of texting, no, me. just okay. Mess, just put in the Zencaster message. <laughs> I am not editing a single thing from this episode. Uh, we're lucky we're recording. I'm tired. <laughs> no, I'm having a great time. Um, I'm very excited to read all the Jason Aaron stuff because you have Batman Off World, and then he's also on Ashley Comics for a mini. Um, so I'm excited to see where he's going next in DC, what his voice is going to be like for DC. Uh, and then I know you don't want to talk about Red Hood, so I'll talk about that for a little bit too um it's got I, sanford green i'll talk about it sanford okay, green is mind. that guy yeah that's exactly what i'm excited he's that like, guy i just want red hood looking cool and sanford green's the dude that's gonna do that so i don't know who sean martinberg is the writer to be honest um but honestly i don't care enough about red hood otherwise to have an opinion on how he's written <laughs> so as long as it's a fun time i'm gonna have a great time i just found out no way is this true? The thing you I messaged on... you? No, no, sorry. I didn't read that yet. Uh, Sean Martinberg co-wrote Thief of Thieves with Robert Kirkman? Mm-hmm. Was that with Robert Kirkman? Am I making this all up? Is Thief of Thieves a Robert Kirkman book? I don't know. Was it never a Robert Kirkman book? Do you know Thieves of Thieves? No. I'm no. I'm losing my mind. Maybe. It seems like I'm it. I have to do research. Uh... Oh, okay. Was it uh, a Robert Kirkman book? No, I was just reading what you just sent me. So that's yeah. awesome. Uh, but I don't know. I'm going to look that up after we're done talking about this. Because I'm using Edge right now for Zencaster. And Googling anything on Edge sucks. It's awful. So there's that. But yeah, so I'm you know, very excited for it. I'm very interested in it. And what's up? You know what doesn't suck? What? But might suck, but also doesn't suck. But what? might suck. Cy Spurrier's The Flash is the most on the fence I have been about a book in a long time. Every issue, I'm like, that's the issue I drop. And then every month when the new one comes out, I'm like, have one more. Well, just one one more. Just, just one more. And it might be the Mike Diodato art, which I never thought I'd say. Yeah. Never in a million years did I think Mike Diodato in 2023 is going to be the reason I am reading a Cy Spurrier comic. <laughs> but his layouts are sublime. And issue three got very Grant Morrison's Animal Man. And I was like, is this what we're doing with The Flash? <laughs> because that might be very interesting. Um. I do think it's... Per- you're flying pretty close to the sun trying to do Grant Morrison's Animal Man. That is one of the yeah. greatest comics of all time. And every time, much like Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, every time we've tried to do it again, it's, uh, you kind of sound like a, a band... Like the uh, Police Precinct 92's cover band of Queen singing <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. That's a little how you sound when you do these. But um, we'll see. I I'm we'll keep reading the Flash, so that's something because I am pretty quick to drop books. 
Yeah. Yeah, I haven't started yet, and I don't have too strong feelings of Shazam, or sorry, of Flash, but I do love Science Barrier, so I'm excited to probably binge like the first arc is my plan. Um, and also, I, sorry, I was looking up Sean uh, Martinburg, and I'm still very confused of what he did for Thief of Thieves. Thief of Thieves is a Robert Kirkman book. It starts with him on it, and then eventually Andy Diggle, I think, takes over like towards the end, but it still feels like a Robert Kirkman book, which is really nice. Um, Thief of Thieves is something you might like. It's not as good as Invincible. Uh, it's better than Firepower, though, in my opinion. Okay. It stars like a James Bond-esque asshole type uh, uh, thief, and he's trying to do one last heist type of beat. So, quick read, like 25 issues, So, and I really liked it. Rock and roll. Um, I have been a huge fan of Wonder Woman. Tom King and oh, yeah, Daniel yeah. Samper's Wonder Woman is phenomenal. It's oh, it's brave, it has something to say, and it is the most forward momentum Diana has had in years. Like, I really like Wonder Woman, and there are not a lot of great Wonder Woman comics. Like, the risk reward on reading a Wonder Woman comic is crazy because it might be one of the greatest comics you've ever read, or it might be one of the most nothing comics you've ever read. And it's never anything else. Like it's, Oh shit. Greg Rucka's best superhero work he ever did. Yeah. Or what did I just read? Like, who was this yeah. by? Like, <laughs> did they have a gun to your head to write this comic? Oh shit. This might be Gail Simone's best work that I have read. I haven't read birds of prey yet, but Holy Gail Simone. What is happening in this comic book? Like what? Who is that even wonder woman? Oh my gosh. I'm the only fan of wonder woman earth one. And then, Oh my God, what's, <laughs> what is going on <laughs> in this comic book? Oh, George Perez. Of course we all know George Perez's wonder woman's phenomenal. I think Tom King's Wonder Woman is his best work that he's done in a long time. Okay, I think that he is working really hard at it, and you can tell he's working really hard on it. Yeah. And I find it really fresh and really fun. I don't fully understand why people are upset at it, but yeah. teach their own. I'm having a blast, and yeah, I think Daniel Stempere is great. Yeah, my big thing is that I'm not the most well-versed Wonder Woman fan. So, like, I like the character. I've read a lot of the character, but not... I haven't even hit, like, all the highlights. I've never read The Circle. So, but then I've read, like... Circle's good. Other ones, yeah. So, I'm, I'm like, a weird mixture of, like, what I did and didn't read for her. Um, and I also wouldn't say, like, a fan that has any type of authority or speech. So, I get it. Like, maybe there's something that fans are looking for that is not hitting or they have their concerns because a lot of the concerns just seem to be, like, I don't like Todd King. I didn't mean to do a mocking voice, but that's what the concerns need to be. And instead of just saying, I don't like it or trust Tom King, they just find excuses to not like it off jump. Like before the book even came out, people were making up excuses and stuff. So it's just why they hate the book. And I thought that was interesting. But at the same time, again, you know, people, there are Wonder Woman fans who are reading the book who don't vibe with it. And that's completely okay. I also don't get that yet. But again, just a different type of fan. So I'm having a good time. I think it's trying to do some interesting things with Tom King. For me, it always comes down to, will he hit the landing? So if the first issue, like I thought the first issue was good, but will it be good in retrospect? If the ending doesn't land the way it needs to land 
is my big thing. So in each issue, he's trying to do something different. He's really trying to get the character right. And I totally respect that. So, and also it looks great. Oh yeah. Someone online said that the best working artists right now seem to be all Hispanic and Latino. And I don't disagree. Between Daniel Sempre, um, uh, like, uh, what's his face? Jorge uh, Fornes. Jimenez. Jimenez. Oh, and Fornes. Yeah, and Fornes, but her name is too. Um, is Matthew Lopez? Uh, Mateus Lopez? Yeah. He speaks Spanish. Okay. I don't know which country he's from. So that will be at least Hispanic. So I don't disagree. I think they're doing great. And then the like Italians Bill are Quist, also uh, doing a lot of great work. Yeah, Bill Quiz Elba is uh, South American, right? Brazil? She is? Or... I thought she was French. Uh-oh. Is that just how she draws? I don't know. El- Elsa Chartier is French. Yes, she is. Lucas Epley, I'm pretty sure it's from Brazil. You could totally be right, and I could totally be wrong. Uh, it could just be that her that. art looks very French. Yeah, it's like French Looks like French here. comics. I will let you know as soon as I find it. But Ooh, you want to hear something? Yeah, it says Brazil here. Oh, so, cool. Well, whoa. I was wrong. Yes. Um... Yeah, there are a ton of great artists coming out of South America and a ton of great artists coming out of Spain and Italy. Like that seems yeah. to be like the big places that are being pulled from right now oh, yeah. for superhero comics. And I'm not complaining. No. They're making great stuff. Keep it going. Um, super bummer note, Chip Zdarsky once pointed out, he's like, I don't, he's like, I always feel bad for my American comic book creators because uh, the rest of us have free healthcare. It's like, we can kind of oh, yeah. take a risk on freelance comic books. Like, Damn, you that's guys. true can't that's a harsh reality but <laughs> he's like like they're they're americans that are just as talented as all of us and just have to have a real job because yeah. america requires that best land in the world they say um so tell me about batman off world okay so here's the premise jason aaron great great comic book writer that had a very lackluster avengers run <laughs> um Kind of told all the stories he's got at Marvel, it seems. And so he does a little switcheroo over to DC Comics, which, fun fact, you wouldn't know, that is his childhood favorite comic book company. Like, he is a DC head, which is hilarious because he worked at Marvel for 40 years now. That's a lie. But he's worked there for 20 years. And Batman Offworld is his first published DC work, and it is about a year to Batman who, after an alien shows up in Gotham for the first time and kicks his ass, he decides, I'm not properly trained all the way then. If I can only face this world's threats, I'm not the greatest there's ever been. So he flies out into space to get his shit rocked on purpose. He's like, hello, we're the meanest motherfuckers in space. And they're like, sector 79. And he's like, then I'm going to Sector 79. And he gets put on this prison ship where they just rock his shit over and over again. And there's this... Uh, they're called tamarins. Is that correct? Or is that a fruit? Yeah, it's like Tam- tamarins or tamarins. Tamarind. Um, There's a tamarind prisoner there that's like, damn, you're kind of hot. But also an idiot that seems like he's just there to get his ass kicked. And Batman's like, exactly. And then... <laughs> And so it's just a book of Batman on purpose fighting big beefy aliens that kick his ass and then flirting with like prison starfire. And it's awesome. 
It was so good. There's this one of the first lines is Batman narration where he's like hiding in the space. They this prison ship picks up his spaceship and then they they have like a classic like, Ksh, go into the spaceship and see what's going on. And he's like hiding up in the corner. And then it it just his narration as they take their helmets off. He's like, I don't know their nerve clusters. I don't know their pressure points. I don't know where to hurt to make it count, but they have faces. So I'll start there. <laughs> and then it cuts to the outside of the ship and it's just their narration as they describe Batman as an alien organism. Like it has vestigial <laughs> leathery wings. Ah! <laughs> it's got talons. Ah! <laughs> as he's just like rocking these guys shit. And it's just awesome. Like it's so imaginative and fun. And Doug Mankey on art is killing it. Like I, it is just a head empty blast. Like it, it's so fun. It's so original. Like there's, n- I've never read another Batman comic like this. Awesome. This is very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed it a lot. <laughs> I'm a, that's, I'm going to be reading a lot of Batman, I think next week. So that will be on my list to catch oh. up on now. The Raphael Grampa one. I don't remember its name right now. But holy cats. Let me go look. Cause I just, I, I love that's also, again, another Latino Hispanic writer or sorry, artist who is killing it. And also, I wish he was on more stuff because he would 100% be my favorite working artist right now if he was on like three more books. If he was but working. If he was working. But he does like one book a year. And I'm like, that's great, dude. But I need like your dark side for every book. Like, imagine this. Imagine this world. Next creative team after Daniel Ward Johnson, he's the artist on it. He's writing, he gets the big reveal for Shockwave or like the big reveal for Megatron showing up. You know how cool that would be? That would be sick, sick as hell. I also want Nick Dragota to draw some Transformers. That would be sick as hell. Imagine James Heron on Transformers. That would right. go Who's so he? crazy. James Heron, he did a ton of BPRD artwork. He did a kaiju fighting comic book last year that was very popular and then had one thread about how white people shouldn't tell kaiju stories. And then he got oh, all yeah. sad and didn't make it anymore, even oh, though it was okay. a great comic. Which one was that? Oh, what was it called? Was that the what one with like the big blue? Yeah, it was like Big Blue and this guy. Ultra Ultra Mega. Ultra Ultra Mega. Mega. Okay. That was a great comic. Really fun. Really really imaginative. It was very weirdly paced. But it was very imaginative and it looked great. And I just wished it was the original premise more. The first premise of... (laughs) Like when it was... Yeah, the first premise of the first issue. And then it was just like, just kidding. Under the twist. Under the twist. we're doing that. And I was like, damn... We should have not done this. <laughs> we should have done the first half. Wow, this is awful. But it wasn't bad. It was, it was good. It was just like, this is not my cup of tea. Dude, Please. I totally get that. I love, I hate, but also love how much I hate a twist that you're like, undo. Yeah. Go back. Like, like, oh, like, I'm having a always, decent time still, but come on. The one that always arc. kills me is when the little girl dies in Bridge to Terabithia. Oh, <laughs> like, as a little boy, I was like, damn, control Z. I hate this. Stop it. I liked her better. And then the little boy's like, and the the movie's like, that's why you should never not invite your friends to hang out with you. And I just like, as a little kid watching that, I was like, what the hell kind of movie is this? (laughs) And then there were like 40 more minutes of being sad that his friend died because he was an asshole that didn't invite her to come hang out. Yeah. And I was like, this is a crazy movie. movie." (laughs) This is a crazy movie. Um, 
The Raphael Grandpa book is Batman Gargoyle of Gotham. Oh, uh, okay. And if you like, if you liked Matt Reeves Batman, or you just like like sick little freak Batman, this is it, man. And great new villain. Great okay. new villain. I'm very excited. Yeah. Dude, Poison Ivy also. Oh my god. Not G Willow. Listen, I knew G Willow Wilson would kill this book. Yeah. There was naysayers, and I was like, what are you guys talking about? You guys don't have a thought in your fucking heads right now. What are you doing? And it feels so good to be on issue 19. That oh, means yeah. we're getting till at least 24, baby. Every new arc that starts of this book, an angel gets its wings. Because, like, this book rules. It's Every time so it starts good. a new arc, I'm always just like, oh, really? And then it goes, like, I was like, oh, we're doing something different a little bit now. And then we start going into it. I'm just like, I don't know why I even said that. <laughs> I don't even know why I had that thought in my head. Four pages I'm already in. Dude. I'm a dumb little boy. It's got some soap opera, like, but like queer, it's like very queer, very soap opera, like romance messy right now. Like, I truly have no idea which way it can go. Like, I'm like, this is the only love triangle I've ever been interested in. Because I'm like, a real option is that they just make a triangle. Yes. Like, that's a real option. Which is what a love triangle should be. So, like, everyone's mixed into it. Yeah, like, it's awesome. But, like hetero writing usually it's just like a a love v so it's just like two people pining for one person now sucks it does suck but this is awesome hell i'm like every option of this is interesting to me (laughs) like if it blows up great and like the most recent issue both harley and ivy were like don't bother the other one like we're cool and open like you don't need to tell the other one and i'm like (laughs) This house is going to burn down. All three of you are living in this house. This is crazy. And then Killer Croc has become this fantastic side character in the book. (laughs) Like making Killer Croc her himbo best friend. Fantastic. The fact that she's got a little swamp house. Awesome. Dude. Real comics. Like that is a real comic right there. Real comics. We're so back. DC is so back. And apparently I haven't been reading it, but Fire and Ice, Welcome to Smallville is apparently really good. So I need to get into checking that out. I have not read it either. It always has very pretty covers from the Dodsons. Yes. And I'm always like, ooh, I should read that. And then I don't. Yeah. I think you're going to like it. There's like a steamy scene with Lobo, apparently. And it looked up your alley. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> I'm going to need you to parse that sentence. Because you I don't went, think so. There's a steamy scene. And I was like, okay, like, with Lobo. And I was like. When have I ever hinted that I like Lobo? And he's like, hey. seems right up your alley. Like you sandwiched the craziest information I've ever heard <laughs> between two pieces of bread I'm, that seem pretty Dallas. I've read because of you and Lexi and Anne, A Court of Rose and Thorns and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I know what kind of shit gets you going. All right, pal? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know what you are. Heterosexual. <laughs> Straightest man I know. <laughs> Yeah. God, those books are so straight. Um, they really are. I was for some reason because we're th- talking about that and straight and bad love triangles. I was thinking about that. Do you remember that young adult Netflix movie called like The Half of It? Did you watch no. that one? No. It was really good. It's you about could have stopped at young adult. Fair enough. It's really good. I watched it because it was a uh, uh, queer and um, like the leads were the lead was Asian. And I was like, oh, that's something we don't get. It's like uh, an Asian queer a story with like two poc 
love interest whereas mm-hmm. like the main characters poc and then her love interest poc and they're queer yeah damn like that's unique so i watched it and i was having a good time and the whole time i was watching it because the whole time she has this male best friend and the whole time from the trailer it makes it seem like the male best friend's like i'm gonna get you laid by this girl like and we're gonna do it in this like kind of messy way and then there's a moment towards the end where he's just like i loved you and i was like what the fuck are you talking about dude <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about who where's this coming why are we doing this i thought we had like a fun nice platonic thing right there between the two of you i think there was something going on with him and the other girl that the girl was pining for like the main character mm-hmm. but i don't know why it took that direction instead of being interesting and different for once but to this day it annoys me so if you guys ever watched the half of it just be ready for just go in knowing that that man is he has ulterior motives and the movie makes it pretty clear and i was just ignoring it because i got the wrong message from the trailer so don't get don't get fooled y'all stay classy stay classy is right (laughs) is there anything else from dc right now i'm very disinterested in the main batman book right now seems like everybody is that's great which is sad because jorge Jimenez is an art god Yes. And I am not reading his Batman book right now because it is. It's crazy. Like, I, I do not understand how this is happening. Yeah, the creative team is like correct, right? Yeah. Like, it's the right creative team. It's just not working. So, and they just, like, it looks like for their next arc, they got Giuseppe uh, Camuncoli in and mm-hmm. Andrea Sorrentino. Like, great art. Great art. An art, a uh, writer that I love. Yeah. Who loves to write noir. Yes. And we're doing nonsense. Just not having like, time. I don't want to be an editorial girly. Like, editorialist. Like, <laughs> I don't like that game. I don't play that game. But, like, the overall direction of the Batman character since Tom King left has been very clearly... Do a normal fucking Batman or we'll fire you. Like, yeah. Batman. Which I got... wouldn't mind if. Except they're doing it in a boring way. Like, yeah. one, they're doing it in a boring way. And also, they're having these all star teams come on. It's Batman. It's already selling. Give, like, some new people a chance to hop on if they're going to have to do safe stories anyway. You know? Yeah. Immortal Hulk. Only thing. Immortal Hulk outsold Batman one time and we've had to suffer for it since. Yes. Like, uh, I don't get it. I. It is so safe and it's not even safe in a, okay, then let's just tell some classic like Batman versus his villains stories with great teams. Like that's fun. I'll do that. But no, you have to go read Batman Brave and the Bold for that. (laughs) It's all Bruce Wayne is the mask and Batman is the truth. And he has to push everyone away from him. And this is Gotham's last day because this Big force is coming, and they're going to take Gotham from Batman. How will he face them alone? Because he's pushed everyone else away. (laughs) Every arc for three years, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. It is frustrating. And they've had the best artist in comic books drawing it. Yeah. They had amazing creative teams. The creative teams were insanely good for the past, like, three runs. And just... I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. You've got the most popular character 
in American fiction. The character that has the most written about him in the history of the world. Which is insane. And you're just going to keep hitting the hits again? I promise you, we've heard them. There's more of him than anyone. (laughs) He means more to humanity than Jesus, if you look at what we've written down. Legally speaking, that's not an opinion we have. We don't, as a company of What's Next Comics Productions, we don't uh, actually believe what Dallas Taylor said of his own free will and volition uh, separately from the entity that is What's Next Comics. Uh, We will not go down like the Beatles. (laughs) (laughs) The Beatles who famously went down after saying we're bigger than Jesus. I said Batman is. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Not me. Us. We're barely bigger than public radio. I mean, technically, we're probably taller than Jesus. Absolutely, we are. Yeah, he was like I five mean, four, five two, five four would be tall. That's crazy, yo. We gotta send Tom Cruise back in time. <laughs> He'd be a giant among men. <laughs> he would five two, hundred and ten pounds tops. Yeah, that's the average Levantine man at the time of Jesus. Damn. Um, There's a joke in there somewhere. Yeah. Anyway, so it looks like uh, the We Are Legend books are not coming out this month, which gives me great pause that we are just done with with the, with the We Are Legend line. So if you guys want to see more diversity in comics, like you say you do, then I would suggest going out and buying the trade paperback for Spirit World, City Boy, and The Vigil. At the very least, go pick up some issues, call your library, do something. These are great books, people. My favorite, Spirit World. I think I'm also behind on City Boy and Vigil, but Spirit World has brought me back. It was the one DC book that's been like consistently making me go like, I gotta check it out DC, I gotta check it out DC. I love Alyssa Wong to death. What they've been doing with their new character, uh, Xanath, I think is how you pronounce her name, um, and with Cassandra Cain has been so cool. And Constantine. Their Constantine writing is really good. And it's just been a blast reading it and exploring a magical world and new cultures that I've never experienced before. So, and you get that with City Boy and you get that with The Vigil too. You're Mm -hmm. having a great time. You're getting new stories and new experiences. And that's really what this medium is all about is discovering something new. So what's more beautiful than discovering something tangible, like a new culture and a new people that you maybe don't always get a chance to interact with or explore with. So to have some of the best people working in comics Greg Pak, Ron B, Alyssa Wong, and to let those books not continue for 200 issues is a damn shame to me. So I, I'm damn near begging you. I was going to say implore, but I'm on my goddamn hands and knees begging you to go buy one, any one of these trade paperbacks, just one of them. All right? We all do our part. I've been reading it, so I've been doing my part, but now it's your time <laughs> to do something. So either buy it, go back and read it, scream it to the heavens that you want more, do something. I'm begging, please. You heard it here first, folks. Evan's on his knees, knees. <laughs> begging you. Please, yeah. please to you read. that joke. Yeah, that's my sense of humor. <laughs> Made you laugh, didn't it? Um, the Vigil's great. Mean? That's the only one I read was The Vigil, <laughs> and it was awesome. <laughs> Vigil's pretty cool. Vigil was very cool. I, I think I made myself like it more than I actually liked it, but I yeah. had a good time with it. Yeah, I can see that. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, yeah. I want this 
like you want it to be the authority like when you're reading the authority for the first time okay yeah like, exactly let's be honest for 15 seconds like yeah. i was like i need a warren ellis replacement yeah like i'm not gonna <laughs> read any more warren ellis but yeah. like man i need what he's got yeah and rom v's like i'm doing a warren ellis style comic and i was like <laughs> if anyone could do it if anyone could do it and he didn't quite do it the big difference but... is that warren ellis gets really weird with his comics and a lot of the times well i'll say half the times it means that we get something inappropriate or bad or that turned out to be racist in time but mm-hmm. with rom v i don't think he gets weird enough to match that kind of uh like he doesn't get the weirdness that garth ennis gets he doesn't get the weirdness that warren ellis gets at least yet maybe he will in the future but we haven't seen that so far but I think if he just got a little weirder, a lot of the books could be, like the visual, I think in particular, could be damn near a masterpiece. But mm-hmm. he just has to like let it his his freak flag fly a little bit more. I don't know how to have this conversation without sounding like a conservative, but like Uh-oh. sometimes I do feel like the Uh-oh. internet and like the backlash towards creatives taking like brave steps or weird steps like you're talking about yeah like i feel like creatives who are online a lot which rambi is yeah and you and i are so like that's not (laughs) pejorative (laughs) but like if every weird choice you make gets criticized by a bunch of people who don't want you to make weird choices with these characters yeah you make the safe choice that ultimately is less interesting you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of the things you just talked about are in a very pre-social media age where like you just wrote a weirdo thing and you sent it out into the world. And then if people didn't like it, you didn't know. But the people that did like it were like, hell yeah, let your freak flag fly. <laughs> and I, there's a market for freak content. Like yeah. my two favorite movies of the year were Poor Things and Saltburn, other than Godzilla. Godzilla is the best movie of the year. But like for the points of this conversation, two very weird movies that like conservative audiences, and I don't just mean like right-wing, left-wing. I mean like people with conservative values and like, (gasps) like I think there are a lot of liberals that are also like purse grabbers. Yeah. And like those movies were weird and awesome. And the people that liked them loved them. And like, that's who Garth Ennis's comics are for. That's who yeah. like, and that niche is not being hit at the big two right now. Like I couldn't name a single sick little freak book and I miss them. They're some yeah. of my favorite books. Yeah, I think I'm with you. I can't think of a single one that's really hitting that exact tone that we're looking for. I like think... you, you love Punisher Max. That's a fucking crazy book. That's a crazy book. There's Preacher no is a... going on. <laughs> They're like Saltburn. Like when you tell people you like Saltburn, they look at you kind of weird. Yeah. And you're like, I did. I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that sick little freak having sex with that grave. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it was awesome. Maybe Constantine coming back will be that. I hope so. Yeah. That was probably the, like, when British Parliament was fucking the glory holes in that giant. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You're actually exactly right. Hellblazer was the last book that did that. I hope it's that again. I hope so too. Because we've been in a very safe, don't, 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to talk yeah. about this without no, sounding like a dick. Like, like no, you're not, we're not no. trying to offend people, but then I sound like yeah. someone who's like, you just can't make jokes anymore. I'm like, no, I want yeah. you to tell crazier jokes. There's a difference between like a stupid racist joke and like, be brave and say something fucking weird. Yeah, try something that's gonna make people uncomfortable, but it's not wrong. Like, yeah. how can they deny the truth is basically what we're looking for, you know? And I think it's just that, hey, there's like definitely the backlash culture, quote unquote, um, that the big two are kind of afraid of. But they also, it's weird because they also thrive on that. Like, Spider-Man is the way, I'm not having an opinion on Spider-Man books right now. <laughs> but Spider-Man books are the way they are right now because people online keep saying, I hate this. I'm going to scream about this. And that's free marketing, baby. Because <laughs> it's still selling like hotcakes. Uh, and you're giving them the reaction they're looking for. I'm also not saying you shouldn't criticize them. But I am saying stop reading the goddamn book. But, um... So I'm just confused, like, why they're like, oh, that's okay, but we can't do anything really weird, and that will get people talking about it. But then when they do, like, Immortal Hulk, I don't think that Immortal Hulk is, like, the weirdest book on the shelf of all time or anything, but for a Marvel book, it was, like, very unique. There was not a lot of horror Marvel books you could name off the top of your head. There was even less that you'd be like, that's a masterpiece. And Immortal Hulk hit both of those freak flags of being a weird body horror, a beautiful character study. And something entirely different for the character, one of the premier Marvel characters. It was the top three Marvel character back in like the 90s. It probably still is the most recognizable one besides Wolverine and Spider-Man. Maybe more than Wolverine, but not Spider-Man. So I think that's, I don't know. I think that Marvel and DC both just need to go, Immortal Hulk worked, why? How do we make another book that's going to outsell Batman for one month, just one time? How are we going to do that? And I think DC is trying to actually push that because you do get books like City of Madness, which I haven't read yet, but from the art and stuff, it's definitely trying to do something different. But I also think because it's not a canon story, it kind of makes me feel like they're not being as risk-taking as they could. Immortal Hulk was a canon story that just happened. And it was weird and it was scary and it was beautiful. And I wish City of Madness was in a similar vein where it's like, this happened. This is the Batman book right now. This City of Madness type style book where Batman becomes Cthulhu for a story. That's this fucking run. You know, a whole 50 issues of like a a Cthulhu-esque story. And we're Mm -hmm. not going to get that. And I think that's where, like even, I'm not trying, now I'm switching a little bit to uh, Marvel here, but I'm not trying to shit on anyone at Marvel. But Moon Knight also is the one that was like, oh, this is where the freak flag can finally fly. And instead it's like this safe cookie cutter freak flag. And Jen McKay, I think, has the genius, if you want to use that word, or like the brains to make Moon Knight like this unique type of story. And instead, we kind of just got the same Moon Knight stories we got, except for not as interesting. The other, like Jeff Lemire's Moon Knight was more weird and outbrainy and, and, and interesting, where his Moon Knight, by design, so that's like the point of the story, so I'm not criticizing that, but he was more superhero-y and by the books. So they could have this flip now with Vengeance of the Moon Knight. But for me, that just meant I lost interest. Because even though you brought back Zodiac, a villain I thought was really interesting, I was kind of like, I mean, are you, you're not really doing anything groundbreaking with it, unfortunately for me. So, and again, it's not to, I like Jen McKay a lot. His Taskmaster miniseries, I think, is still fucking genius. And I praise mm-hmm. it to high heavens and back. But it's just like, there's just not, that's just not happening at uh, Marvel. There, 
this is a real I heard from a friend who heard from a friend, but the podcast Cerebro recently referenced an article from the New Yorker that they read that talked about the current media landscape being shaped by fans who approach art prosecutorially. People come to art prepared to sort out the sins of the piece and therefore the creator of the piece rather than to engage with a narrative or a story or the emotions of a story. And it is constipating the kind of stories that we can tell. That if if you are saying that I am a bad person because people do bad things in my art, well, I don't, no one wants to be told they're a bad person. So I will not put people doing questionable things in my art. And therefore we will never have the kind of drama and wrinkles of people doing weird crap or bad crap, like things that I would never do in a million years. Yeah. But that drive stories forward. Like the example I always go to are Chris Claremont's X-Men, like the biggest superhero franchise in the history of superhero comics, Chris Claremont's X-Men were made by a kinky little freak who <laughs> made the weirdest comics you've ever read. Like none of us had any right at 10 years old to be reading that many women in like bone corsets and like dommy mommy outfits, like kicking the shit out of a bunch of loser men. But we did because that's what Chris Claremont was into. <laughs> and we're all better for it. The, the X-Men are built on the back of a guy who took big risks and was really weird and was allowed to be really weird. And I just, I miss that. I want more weird art. I want us all to realize that like, we don't need to be Puritans. We can explore these weird, strange, awful things in our art. Like it's a side of humanity that is interesting to explore. And if we're not exploring it in our artwork, It'll bleed out into our real world. Yeah. Like it's, you're not stopping it by like, <gasps> every time it pops up in something. I just, yeah. I don't know. Oh, I th- I just think it was like a big rubber band effect is what happened where people were like, saw a woman being objectified in comics, which is a real problem that still exists to this day in some mm-hmm. comics. Uh, but they saw it drastically, especially like 90s to the early 2000s. So early 2000s, someone finally said something that stuck. Uh, and you know you could, you could probably trace it back to different creators like Gail Simone talking about fridging was a big moment for comics um, but there was conversations after that as well um, and I think because and so at some point comics said okay so they don't want us to have uh, to market women as attractive or men as attractive and now I'm really starting to sound like a fucking comics gate loser but I'm honestly not saying comics aren't sexy anymore they uh have to be a certain way or anything. Uh, but what I'm saying is that because there was this gender, this uh, real and genuine criticism that I agree with, uh, the rubber band effect of that was that comics drew back a little bit, but fans especially kind of got mixed up and started seeing everything as that instead of being like, oh, here's the examples of that, or oh, here's how the conversation be led from that. And instead, every time they see a certain body type or this or that, it's a knee-jerk gut reaction of here's how I'm gonna respond to it. And so they respond first, think next. So, and we're all guilty of it. I'm no saint, uh, but 
it's just another conversation we have to have so we can learn how to move forward all together. It reminds me of the conversation from last year about the Bechdel test where mm. someone, I don't remember the, what movie it was, but it was a movie about the experience of queer men in like Asia. Like, yeah. I think it was Korea, but I'm not positive. And it was like about two gay men and like their experience as gay men in that country at that time. Yeah. And there was like a big article about how it didn't pass the Bechdel test. Yeah. And Alison Bechdel, who is not ever online, finally like poked her head up for 15 seconds to be like, I am modifying the Bechdel test to include this movie because this is the <laughs> dumbest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> like not what I'm talking about. Like yeah. not at all what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I feel like that is such a great example of exactly what you were just talking about. Like Gail Simone, when she talks about fridging, she isn't saying like no female character can die in a story. Like sometimes yeah. like a character dies and that's a sad thing. But if we say that like, we're not allowed to kill any female character ever, like frankly, that limits the kind of stories you can tell with female characters. Yeah. And like, we, we have to be able in this post truth world, everybody wants to create black and white rules and truth to keep themselves safe because frankly, there's just too much information. Yeah. Like we are not equipped to handle and sort through the fire hose of information we get every day. So we try and create these binary right and wrong gates that things go through. And it is sorting things in a nonsensical way that is not yeah. helping any of us. You know? I totally agree. Yeah. I think you're spot on. I think we kind of just... We are saying strings of the same thing i feel yeah like. we are like we're running parallel with each other right now so i definitely agree with what you're saying i agree and with everything I think you said too the only thing i would add is that we also could be wrong and i think i hope everyone gives us the grace of i don't think we're wrong but at the same time we could have <laughs> there's something we could have said i could have misspoke or i could have yeah. just been wrong about one of my opinions or you could have as well and i think this is not just another example of if that's what happens it's okay to challenge us on this. And it's okay. It's great actually for you to have an opinion that I disagree with or vice versa. But the next step in that is just, you know, communication is the important thing for all of us. And especially, well, we're talking about comics. So I'm bringing it back to that. I don't think, I don't want to say especially comics because, you know, comics are great, but at the end of the day, there's like other real world shit that's happening that we should also be discussing. But um, because this is the medium we love and we're all discussing, I do think, we have to extend that grace to comics and the media that we are engaging with that sometimes mistakes happen. Sometimes people have wrong opinions and we have to have a conversation about it. And it just comes down to how do we have that conversation? Yeah. I think <clears throat> Ryan North in his book, how to invent everything. He consistently references the human mind as the greatest resource on the planet. Hmm. And he will write and say, like, this invention will save or multiply lives, thus providing more human brains, which is your greatest resource. And like, that's how he frames humanitarian efforts. He's like, All right, if we have to talk in, like, the value this brings to society, like, the yeah. value of human minds is our top export. <laughs> and I don't want everyone to have the same opinions. I don't want a mono thought because then ultimately like 
why isn't there just one brain? Why isn't there just yeah. one person on earth? Like if we're all creating, if we're all making the effort to have the exact same opinions and thoughts and reactions to everything, we are defeating the purpose of the grand human experiment. Yes. And like the, the purpose of one of the greatest accomplishments of the last 20 years has been the finally expanding the borders of the voices that get the microphone and allowing other human experiences and other perspectives in. And I don't want us to then (laughs) retroactively shrink that again by trying to make everybody agree now on this different thing, because frankly, 40 years ago, everyone just had to agree with conservative white men. Yeah. And it, limited human progress and like we are making this beautiful effort to expand and say like everybody gets to talk we get to learn from everybody this is amazing let's let's please not just make a small circle again somewhere else yeah (laughs) Uh, now this is the one correct opinion that everyone has to follow around like it it is counterintuitive I agree. And again, it all just comes down to like how you share or communicate the information. Like before I saw Godzilla minus one, I was just talking about how I was excited for it. And some random person just came in and just said, yeah, it's not as good as Shin Godzilla though. And I immediately blocked them. Cause I was like, that's not how we're going to have this conversation. Like I didn't see the movie yet. It's weird that you just immediately want to come in and undercut someone's excitement. So that's again, just a random example probably not even totally related, but just, you know, just about communication and, you know, value other people's, not even their opinion, but just a value that there's different thoughts going on. And also, again, just to cover our asses, we're not talking about every single opinion. There are some opinions that are just straight up incorrect. And those are the ones like, yeah. you know. Fuck Nazis. Yeah. like Fuck Nazis. That's a big one. Let's start there. That's a pretty great one. That's yeah. a pretty great blanket opinion. It was a great one that everyone said that we were all too, totally into and all agreed on up until like six Five. years ago. So many people were like, well, maybe not. I was like, okay, well, hold on. Is this how you always felt? Turns out, yes, but I was surprised at the time. I was also surprised at the time. I was a kid, but <laughs> not five years ago, but you know. All right. Evan's actually nine years old, everybody. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Yippity skippity! Whoa! I was just watching Bluey. Where'd all these Nazis come from? I love the episode of Bluey where he punches a Nazi and he throws him out the on an airplane or a hot air balloon. And he's just like, "No ticket." Did that you know really that happen? Yeah, an episode of Bluey. Oh no, that's that's not Bluey. <laughs> you tricked me. You tricked me. That's the Last Crusade. I love that movie. Oh. That that was very tricky. You got me. <laughs> Gold star for Evan. You got me. Let's read Marvel jokes. comics. All right. Yeah, let's do this in like, let's get 10 minutes. All right. Ultimate Black Panther, number one. Ultimate Spider-Man, number two. What if Venom, number let's one. Stop right there. We're done. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, okay, no. That's all of them, baby. I mean, what else do you need? Like, that's it. That's That's kind of it. But what if Venom, number one. Avengers Twilight, number three. I'm actually excited for that. Uh, Edge of Spider-Verse, number one. Stop it. Stop it. Fall of the House... I know. Fall of the House of X, number two. Rise of the Powers of X, number two. Vengeance of the Moon Knight, number two. Night Thrasher, number one. Spider-Punk, number one. Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, number one. Um, Wolverine, Madripoor Knights, number one. Wolverine, number 43. Wolverine, number 44. Dead X-Men, number two. 
Resurrection of Magneto, number two. X-Force, number 49. Cable, number two. X-Men, number 31. Invincible Iron Man, number 15. Gods, number five. Luke Cage, Gang War, number four. Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, Gang War, number three. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I secretly became the biggest Shang-Chi stan this year. Amazing Hell Spider-Man. Yeah. I think second to you, actually, but I do love Shang-Chi. Um, Amazing Spider-Man. No, I think f- you like him more than me at this point, to be honest. Hell yeah. You read I love, for sure. I love that guy. Amazing Spider-Man number 43, Daredevil Gang War number 3, Spider-Woman number 4, Amazing Spider-Man number 44, Miles Morales Spider-Man <coughs> number 16, Miles Morales Spider-Man number 17, Avengers number 10, Captain America number 6, Daredevil Black Armor number 4, Sensational She-Hulk number 5, Daredevil number 6, Women of Marvel number 1, Captain Marvel number 5, Fantastic Four number 17, Giant Size Fantastic Four number 1, written by Fabian Acieza. That's fun. And a Namor issue. Okay, sorry. Spider-Gwen Smash, number three. Spider-Boy, number four. Carnage, number four. Venom, number 30. Punisher, number four. If Venom gets a hundred issues... Venom gets to have a million issues and Birds of Prey gets to have six. I'm going to throw up. (laughs) Women. Punisher, number four. White Widow, number four. Superior Spider-Man, number four. Incredible Hulk, number nine. Immortal Thor, number seven. Sentry, number three. Thunderbolts, number three. Black Panther, number nine. Thanos, number three. Guardians of the Galaxy Annual, number one. Power Pack, Into the Storm, number two. Shout out Evans everywhere. Doctor Strange, number 12. Blade, number eight. Marvel Superheroes, Secret Wars, Battle World, number four. Hell yeah. Didn't we already do this? No. Amazing Spider-Man number 125 facsimile edition. Uncanny X-Men number 268 facsimile edition. Marvel Superheroes Secret Wars number 2 facsimile edition. Predator number 1 of 4. Alien number 4. Alien Black, White, and Blood number 1. Beware the Planet of the Apes number 2. There's a new Planet of the Apes movie coming. And I had no idea until there was a trailer for it. Ahead of Godzilla. Dude, yeah, so... I was off of a Twitter like the whole month. And so I went to see the marbles and I saw a poster for it. I was like, oh shit, I didn't know they were making a new one. That's pretty sick. Go to the theaters. They show the Planet of the Apes trailer. I was freaking out. I was so excited. What so a wonderful fun. day. I was it, like, I am seated. Yeah. It's really day fun one. to like be surprised by things again. I, I'm going to quit Twitter all Dude, over again. I don't miss stop. it at all. I don't miss it at all. I love not being on it. Star Wars Thrawn. Alliances, number two. Star Wars Mace Windu, number one. Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi, number five. Star Wars The High Republic, number four. Star Wars, number 43. Star Wars Darth Vader, number 43. A lot of good comics. A lot of good comics. I love that the model for the facsimile editions is let's reprint key issues the month that speculators will come in looking for them based off of a movie and trick them into buying a useless modern copy of this thing they're trying to scalp. Like, that is yes. awesome to me. That's but awesome. I will say, they're also, like, in this case, like, Uncanny uh, X- X-Men number 268 is leading straight into a new miniseries that's starting this month. So, I will give them that. That there is some relation to comics. But yeah, it's all about the money. It's all about the Benjamins, baby. It's all about the money, money, money. See, we're not going to get sued because I sing off tune. But I don't. True. Have I ever told you about when I did karaoke? I know we've got 10 minutes, but (laughs) that was my Normandy Beach. Like, I I was shaking. As an adult man, I was, like, nervous shaking. Why? Because you're bad at singing? A, no, but B, for (laughs) I made a terrible choice. 
Well, I was just like, I haven't put myself out like that in an embarrassing yeah. way. Like, oh, okay. I haven't put myself in a way to potentially be embarrassed in a very long time. Yeah. With like immediately people in front of me. Like, yes. I could be embarrassed by this show all the time. But, <laughs> and then I didn't really know what kind of song to pick. And so I prioritized instead of a song in my range, a song yeah. that I oh. knew all the words to. And so I chose Piano Man. Oh. And my voice cracked for the first time since I was 20, probably eight times. Jesus. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> it was horrible, Evan. Okay, sorry. Talk to me about the Ultimate Universe, man. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I don't know anything that's going on. And every time I get new information, I get a little bit more confused, but a little more excited. So with this issue for Black Panther, uh, and just from the, the cover alone, I felt so smart when I figured this out from the cover. And then someone's like, oh, so you read the synopsis? And I was like, no. And they're like, okay. And I was like, what? But yeah, so it's going to be a war between Wakanda and uh, Khonshu and Ra. So Khonshu and Ra are like deities together in this one. Like they're like a couple, I think, or something. Or just like a couple of friends. Um, yeah, they're either but, roommates or a couple. Yeah. But right now they're like the rulers of, the secret rulers of Africa. And so that kind of puts them at odds with Wakanda. So you basically have two deities, like three deities, I guess, but two subsects of deities, Bast versus Khonshu and Ra. And they both have different um, avatars. So the Black Panther and the Moon Knight. So that's what the first arc is really about, is that conflict starting. And then we already learned from the cover of, I think, issue two or three, that Killmonger will be in the series and Storm. And Killmonger and Storm that's are a couple. And freedom, yeah, and freedom fighters. And I was like, yo, this is everything. That, <laughs> Brian Edward Hill is a genius. That's sick. Yeah. That's it's so sick. exciting. And I was just thinking about like, I think we all know where it's going. We're like, Killmonger's going to get too radical and blah, blah, blah. But I don't give a damn. That sounds fun as hell still. Yeah. Yeah, oh that's sick. I've got a big stupid grin right now. That's Dude, sick. Right now, go look up the, the design for both of them. Because do you know who designed those characters? No. Peach Momoko. <laughs> yeah it gets better and better isn't that insane so i saw the designs and i was like these are so clean and then i saw like the the character designs and i was like oh my god that's peach momoko oh my god best day ultimate universe yeah look i wish you guys could see yeah He's so sorry excited. this this audio format uh those are sick designs they're really good i love like almost like a, a vagabond or piratey feel for storm it looks so clean. The like the wolf mask is so yes! cool. Like it, oh it's God. so, it's so like modern fashion while also yeah. feeling like, not like broadly African, but like it seems like this could come out of Africa as well. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it feels like very Egyptian. I would say. Yeah, like it feels region. it feels very like Saharan. Like we're coming yes. up into from the Sudan. It yes. feels very Sudanese, which is very cool. <laughs> Hell yeah! Like so, I'm very excited. Uh, I love Brian Edward Hill. If you guys never read Batman and the Outsiders, 100% read that. He also did for Marvel. He, right now he's doing Blade, which is great. But he also did a Killmonger miniseries that kind of like tried to tie in uh, the original idea of Killmonger with the movie idea of Killmonger. And it was really good. So I'm very curious to see what his Killmonger like is like in this because his Killmonger was an asshole in the other one, but it was still good. So I'm very excited. Brian Edward Hill is, I think, an unsung hero. I think a lot of people only learned about him from that x-men book he did that didn't do great fallen angels and yeah. so everyone immediately just kind of wrote him off but 
he is a great writer. That was one book I didn't like by him, but everything he, else I loved. He doesn't like that book. He also doesn't hate it. He was just kind of like, uh, I'm hearing the feedback and I guess you guys don't like it. I would like to do X-Men again if you guys give me another chance, but also if the fans don't want it, they don't want it. And I was like, that's a really mature thing to say because I would have said, fuck y'all. <laughs> he, once NDAs were unsigned, he's yeah. he, in a Cerebro interview, he was okay. like, I, he's like, I actually had work at DC and Marvel at the same time. So Marvel to protect themselves didn't invite me to any of the retreats. He's like, so I wasn't in the X-Men slack that everyone else was in. He's like, so I was just like in a little island writing this weird little book. And then it released and it totally wasn't the tone of all the other Krakoa books. He's like, he's like, I knew issue one dropped. I was like, oh, they're going to hate this. Like (laughs) I, oops, oops. I did not fulfill the assignment. Uh Oh, well, it's all done. Okay. The end. Everyone's going to hate yeah. it. That does suck. I, that feels so bad for him. But hopefully this is his quote-unquote redemption for everybody. And I hope that he was included in like the work retreats for Ultimate Universe. I'm sure he but, I mean, I don't know. It sounds like maybe not. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, I, I came in really brave there for having just told the exact opposite story. I just came in like, I'm right. sure he is. And then in my own brain, I was like, are we sure? Yeah. <laughs> are we sure, Dallas? It feels like Jonathan Hickman would be now might have more control. I just realized that Jonathan Hickman was doing <laughs> Yeah, he was both. I, yeah, you so started I that know. sentence. You started that yeah. sentence. I'm pretty sure Jonathan Hickman would. And then I looked at you like, do, didn't do, last time. Fucking a solid snake noise goes up. Or whatever. That's exactly but, right. But yeah, so Ultimate Black Panther I'm really excited about. And then Ultimate Spider-Man. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. Can I be really honest with you? Yes. Yes, you can. I'm getting less and less excited the more I get I get to see, which I was yeah, really surprised like I, by. Everyone thinks it's going to be JMS fan fiction, yeah. and it's very clearly not going to be that. No. And it's going and to be hell on earth on Twitter when it's not. Like when issue three of this drops, yeah. and it isn't ooh woo, Daddy Spider Man. Yeah, <laughs> people are going to lose their fucking minds. I'm very curious. I'm very. I'm so excited about it, but I guess I'm less excited I than I am for Black Panther. Spider Man. What? I'm less excited than I am for Black Panther. Oh, yeah. I'm more Black excited Panther, for Black Panther. It was so weird. When Black Panther got re- revealed, because like... I the the costume's not great. The The mask the, is the problem, Yes, the, the open jaw yeah. on the bottom makes it look stupid. Yeah, like the variant cover where he doesn't have the mask on, it's just a suit. I'm like, clean as hell. And then you see the mask, and you're like, oh, please cover your mouth, bro. Gross <laughs> as hell. He's the type of dude that fucking goddamn chewed his mouth open and shit. He's goddamn... When, yo, when Stranger Things started saying mouth breather, I was like, yo, T'Challa. <laughs> T'Challa, what's up? <laughs> I've never heard this, this laugh from Dallas. That's a new one. <laughs> I've never that, heard this laugh from Dallas. That was soulful. <laughs> that was so <somewhere> deep. <laughs> that, yeah, that came from down in the chest. <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't know. I'm not. In, I don't love Green uh, Green Lantern, Green Goblin, as much as everyone else. And making him a hero is interesting, but it sounds like another pitch I heard the other day. So I feel like I'm more excited for that other version of the pitch I heard um, than this. And uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's everything. I'm getting all the things that sound interesting to me, but also like it's interesting to have a Green Goblin who's a hero at first. It's interesting for Peter Parker to be. Uh, uh i think a teacher and also you know a, a family man these are all things i was interested in and for some reason 
every time I see new art or a new cover or a new synopsis, my excitement just kind of like goes down and down. I don't know what it is. Maybe because it's not surprising me. That might be it. So everyone else is getting like this big surprise of like, whoa, they're actually doing it. They're actually doing it. But the whole time I was like, I figured this is what they're going to do Mm -hmm. because I didn't think they were going to go back to high school, Peter. So the whole time I was like, well, they're going to do adult Peter. And how are they going to differentiate that? Oh, they're probably going to make him like a family man. So I was already in the headspace of that. And then when it all got revealed, I was the only person like, yeah. This is exactly what we should have expected. I don't know why everyone thought it was going to be Ben Riley or fucking Miles Morales. Everything about everything said, no, it wasn't going to be those things. So maybe I'm just a pompous asshole. <laughs> that's it. Now that I'm saying it out loud. But that's just how I feel. And I kind of wish I was having the same excitement as everyone else is. Because uh, it's still at like a 7. But everyone else is at a 12 right now. And I, yeah. I miss that. Uh, I'm at like an 8. Honestly, like I'm basically right where you're at. I'm like... Listen, if it comes out and it's great, awesome. But I, yeah. I'm i not hanging my mental health on a Spider-Man book. No. But speaking of a Spider-Man book, I am actually having a lot of fun with Gang War. Like, I, I'm not interested in diving deep into all of this Spider-Man discourse. Uh, I've never been a big fan of, like, all the hell stuff. Like, anytime... I love Maddie Pryor, but anytime she shows up in these Spider-Man books... I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm in for a rough six issues. And then every time they switch back to Hammerhead and Robbie Reyes dating Hammerhead's daughter, I'm like, oh, boy, we're so back. It's This run is so, it's so over, we're so back every six issues. And we're in a, we're so back right now. Gang War has been led up to really well in this series. And everything is finally exploding. And it's really, really fun. Like, I... I'm having fun reading Spider-Man right now. Um, Similarly, another writer who everyone hated like a year ago, but no one's talked about for about a year, Jerry Duggan. Mm. Uh, I think he is doing the very best job in the fall of X books. Like I actually don't think Al Ewing or Kieran Gillen, who I love both of, I do not think they are doing anything very interesting with fall of X. Like it kind of just feels like spinning the wheels to the end. Which mm-hmm. just makes me mad that we like kicked Jonathan Hickman off to just end in a year anyway. Yeah. But that's beside the point. But Jerry <laughs> Duggan is doing a great job on like with between his Iron Man book and his X-Men book. Yeah. Like it really feels like the end of the fucking world. Like I'm like, I can't believe all those people died and Krakoa is over and we're like underground or running from Sentinels. And like this feels oppressive and huge on my shoulders. And then the other books, they'll switch back and it's like, Oh yeah, well that sort of happened anyway. Back to whatever I was doing before, and I, I just do not buy the stakes in the other two books. Whereas Jerry Duggan's two books, absolutely sell the stakes, and it makes me very confused going into Fall of the House of X and Rise of the Powers of X. Right. Like I, I knew when I saw House of X and Powers of Ten. Like when I saw those covers, I was like. I'm getting I'm getting back into weekly comics and I'm getting into the X-Men. Yeah. Like I I didn't love Matthew Rosenberg's X-Men, so I was kind of like out of X-Men. Yeah. But I was like, this is I'm jumping back in. Like we're back. We're back. And looking at these covers, I'm like, I'm mostly like, man, I miss Pepe Raz. <laughs> oh yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man. That's the second worst thing Mark Millar has done this month. Is steal <laughs> Pepe Larraz. <laughs> But I'm still excited. I'm enjoying Fall of X pretty well. Yeah, I'm still on X Men. I'll have yeah. to catch up eventually. But 
No, it's okay. I know that you your ship sailed with Krakoa, and I don't begrudge you, and I don't even like I'm not trying to lasso you back. Yeah. Like I I love the X-Men. I've been loving and liking and sometimes maying, but mostly loving <laughs> these comics. And I thought it was worth shouting out that Jerry Duggan is doing the best work in Fall of X, which is a huge switch up from from when Hickman yeah. left until the Fall of X, forgettable. Yeah, boring as hell. And then it feels like a new guy. Like, I'm like, Who's, who are you? Where did you come from? Where you been? Take a little nappy? It's awesome. Like, he's really knocking it out of the park. I'm glad X-Men is coming to an end. Um, I haven't I love been reading... <laughs> I love you for I... that. <laughs> Oh, people really like the Krakoa era. I'm glad for that. I hope uh, it doesn't go back to the old status quo, but also, um, girl, they're I need back in that different. mansion. They're back in that mansion immediately. I really hope not. That is boring. I hope some of them go to the mansion because I do like the mansion stories and stuff. But also, I don't want a, the biggest step back. But I that think seems Ar- like a big regression. I think Araco is here to stay, mm. but I think there will be a core team back in the mansion. And then there will be uh, all the weirdos on Araco. Okay, that's what I can kind of dig that. I guess I kind of I don't want Krakoa. Honestly, I just I don't want Krakoa to go away. I just want more self stories. Maybe I just need a good book again from them, and I haven't found that yet personally. So that's where I'm at, unfortunately. Listen, they kicked out Zeb Wells and Jonathan Hickman, and then lo and behold, everything got boring. Yeah, honestly. Zeb Wells should have stayed with X-Men because uh, Spider-Man ain't it. Um, I, honestly, there's not a lot from Marvel that I really need to talk about just because I'm behind on everything right now. I haven't been reading Marvel Weekly for the most part. I keep buying Blade because I want it to succeed, but I'm just waiting to binge it. And Miles Morales, I'm going to catch up on soon. I'm glad it's succeeding. Should I give and it another chance? I, I, didn't love, so. I didn't love issue one. Oh, really? Yeah, like the tone just felt really weird and I can't tell if I was just having like a weird week or if the tone just felt weird for me, but everyone seems to be loving it. And I'm like, should I catch I really up? Like I don't think it's like, it's, you're not going to fall in love with it in the same way you, you fell in love with like Ryan North's Fantastic Four because they're just two entirely different types of books, mm-hmm. right? Like Ryan North is trying, is doing something incredibly, I feel like fresh for Marvel. And then Miles Morales is doing uh, almost classic Spider-Man stuff, but We'll come quote with a twist. He's got so, a sword now. He has a sword now, which is actually pretty raw. But yeah, and he also fights Hobgoblin, which is like the better goblin. So, I do know. love Hobgoblin. The we sword love, and Hobgoblin. The sword and Hobgoblin. I was like, I might give it another chance. Sword versus sword. Hobgoblin has a sword too. All right, we're so back. We're <laughs> so back. Um, speaking of Fantastic Four, you're not caught up, right? No. Boy, this most recent issue. I don't know how I didn't see it coming. Yeah. But subverted expectations in the most fascinating. Like, I am dying for the next <laughs> issue. And I don't know how I didn't see it coming. Like, just as someone who tries to tell stories and write stories and, like, understands how stories are set up. Like, yeah. how on earth did I not see this subversion coming? I'm excited. I'm going to catch up on Fantastic Four next week. My big goals are Fantastic Four and Batman books. <laughs> uh which sounds very funny, but that's where I'm at. Rock and roll. Um, my, my last little shout out. Uh, I haven't read it yet, but Avengers Twilight by Zdarsky and Daniel Acuna. It's like cyberpunk Avengers starring Miss Marvel. Seems cool. 
seems good. I like that they brought inspiration from the Secret Empires era of Captain America because that's one of my favorite Captain America suits. And then he was a Nazi, and I was like, uh oh, <laughs> we're never seeing this suit again. So this is the closest I'm getting. Uh, it doesn't hit the same, but I'm still like, okay, cool. Uh, last thing I want to shout out, Power Pack. I love Power Pack. Always have. Always been a secret fan. Don't want to share them, but I will if it means that I get more books. So please go buy that book um, so I get more Power Pack. It's just weird, weird classic, campy. Uh, if you if you like Powerpuff Girls, uh, it's Powerpuff Girls meets Power Rangers. There you go. That's your pitch. Take it or leave it. Rock and roll. We got to let also, you go. Yes, I got to go. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to What's Next Comic Book Podcast, where every month we go to the monthly station, blah, 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 blah. I didn't do it at the beginning, so that's me at the end. Uh, if you want to follow Dallas, where can they find you? TikTok. The Comics Collective. There you go. The one spot. And if they want to listen to you, where can they find you? Wherever you listen to podcasts. The Comics, Comics Collective. Collective. Hell yeah, brother. And uh, you can follow the podcast at What's Next Comics on both TikTok and Twitter. You can follow me on the Twitter sphere and TikTok at Evan uh reads comics on twitter and evan von doom on the tiktok and that's all the time we have for today folks please go support comics buy something anything we are legends bye